With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You can support PWTorch.com when you shop Amazon. Just go to PWTorch.com slash Amazon. When you're about to shop at Amazon, click the Amazon logo. You're right at Amazon where you're headed anyway. But we get a commission on any purchases you make on that trip. We've had this relationship with Amazon for years now. And we really appreciate those of you who are participating, and we invite all of you to join them. That's pwtorch.com slash Amazon when you're about to shop at Amazon. Now, PW Torch brings you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. It's time to talk this week's WWE Monday Night Raw. All right, Jason, the floor is yours. I will give you 15 minutes to explain the WWE rule book and how it was blowing up on tonight's episode of Raw. Well, there's a lot of pressure on me there, Wade. Uh, 15 <laughs> minutes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I have to say, though, I have to say, um, with Constable Corbin now at the helm and writing the checks and balances, Perhaps this is a sign of things to come. But if he's going to be correcting a lot of things that are wrong, he's going to be going from a heel to a baby face very quickly. So hopefully this is a sign of things to come. I know what you're saying, though. Um, it's uh, – <laughs> I mean, well, what, what, what can you say? I mean, uh, you know, no one remembers what happens last week. No one remembers what happens two weeks ago. That, that's my explanation. I am wondering if there's an allegory here having something to do with Donald Trump and Robert Mueller. I just I can't I, I honestly can't quite put my finger on it. But this idea that Kurt Angle is making these decisions and then somebody else has put somebody else in charge of trying to fix them. The whole thing feels uh, co- perhaps coincidental, but uh, somewhat uh, somewhat of a political allegory right now. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, there's a lot we can talk about on tonight's show. Um uh, some of it good, some of it not so good. It, it, uh, Jason, let me ask you, was this a, uh, a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle for you as an overall WWE effort tonight? I found the show entertaining. And you're right, there are plenty of things that, um, you know, I guess you could say are ripe for the picking that we could talk about. Um, but, yeah, overall, I thought it was a – I found the show to be fairly entertaining. The B team, for me, have become one of the most entertaining things on Raw, so I liked that they won. I, I thought that was fairly predictable. Um, I'm enjoying Sami Zayn's performances. Overall, the inter- interaction with Bobby Lashley, I know 
you know, people aren't too keen on that. But I think Sami Zayn is putting in some tremendous performances. I just love the way how loose he is on the mic. And he's just not your stereotypical type of performer who sort of speaks in the same way. So I'm enjoying his performances. And I thought they did a very good job tonight with Roman Reigns. They put him in the best possible situation to get cheered. We know they're fighting an uphill battle, but I thought they did a really good job with him. He came out. He made the save. He helped Seth up. I thought if you're going to book Roman Reigns as someone who we're meant to admire, I thought they did it right tonight. Yeah, I agree with you on Roman. I mean, if, if you've got money on Roman Reigns being cheered, then you want uh, then you want Roman Reigns. Uh, I'm muted. Then you want Roman Reigns in this uh, booked this way, where Roman Reigns is linked with Seth Rollins. He's coming to the aid of his friend. He is uh, standing up for what's right, not in a cornball way, but in a friend standing up for another friend type way. So I agree. The, uh, the positive, uh, one of the big positives of the show, booking-wise, is, again, if the goal is to get Roman Reigns over and cheered as a babyface, some, uh, some strong booking. They got their work cut out for him, though. I don't know when, when Seth Rollins isn't next to Roman Reigns if the crowd is going to cheer Roman Reigns in Chicago at Money in the Bank, opposite of Jinder Mahal. Uh, Jason, can I get a prediction from you on that? No, they're not going to cheer him. They're not going to cheer Jinder. They're not going to cheer Roman. We're going to get a lot of chance in that match. The crowd, I believe, will turn on the match. And you're right. I mean, but let's not forget, you know, before Dean Ambrose got injured, Roman Reigns, by associating himself with the with the Shield, was getting cheered. It's just amazing. Yeah. You play that music with the Shield, when the Shield comes out, completely different reaction you take that away and you just have roman it's unbelievable the difference but uh, i think come chicago it's not going to turn out very good for roman or jinder so they do have their work cut out for them well we have another week uh another show for them to do this but i actually think fans are going to cheer jinder mahal i think there's a chance of that Probably. And he's making a good point because he keeps raising the point that, you know, Roman Reigns is talking about a conspiracy that's not actually there. Yeah. Although he did he did he didn't mention it this week. He didn't mention it this week. So I think it would be very wise for them to drop that whole conspiracy theory that the WWE is against him. Nobody believes that. Let's just let that go. He's been away for a week. Let's just start fresh and just focus his anger on Jinder Mahal trying to take him out as opposed to this conspiracy theory. Well, I think you bring up a good point. And, and when, when uh, Jinder said that Reigns has had things handed to him, I, I was kind of thinking maybe they shouldn't go there. <laughs> you know, like, you know, Jinder says he expects everything to be handed to him. I, I'm like, that's too, that hits too close to home. As, as unfair as it might be, I'm not even taking sides on that. You can have a debate of whether anything was handed to Roman. I mean, when you look the part and you conduct yourself professionally and you do what your boss wants you to do and the way he wants you to do it, that's not really being handed anything. That's being right person, right time, and fulfilling your job. And a lot of people have looked the part to Vince McMahon and haven't delivered um, behind the scenes in a way that Vince was happy with or on camera. And despite the crowd reactions, otherwise I think Vince is pretty happy with Roman. So it's not a dig at Roman, but the fan perception of Roman, part of what causes them to boo him is that they think he was handed things. You know, CM Punk saying, oh, make Roman look good. That's all he heard before he left. Um, so I think having a heel ever mention that Roman, uh, that, that Roman expects to have everything handed to him um, is probably not the, the right way to go. Um, or, or to have Reigns say Jinder expects everything handed to him. Actually, he's probably the more pertinent example here of the wording. 
um, Rain shouldn't be accusing other people of uh, of thinking that that things were handed to them because I, I do think it just makes people think. Wait a second, that's how I feel about Roman, and you just kind of shine a lantern yeah. on that. Because Roman's the right, you're right. Roman's the wrong guy to bring that up. Although it's a good point to raise about Jinder because when he debuted on Raw, he talked about how he wanted to have like a motorcade. He wanted things handed to him. Jinder Mahal has acted like he deserves everything. So for Roman to actually say that, he's actually correct. But it's probably coming from the wrong person. It'd be better coming from, say, a Seth Rollins or another babyface trying to show Jinder up because that is what Jinder has expected. He has expected things handed to him. I thought Roman's performance tonight was good um, in the ring. I thought the backstage promo and, and reacting to Jinder the way that he did was good. I didn't think it was great. I still think – I don't know that Roman's ever had, like, a great babyface performance or in terms of, like, kind of on the mic with his demeanor. You know, it, it's why I think the money with, with Roman isn't being a heel. Um, but it wasn't – I didn't think that he was a turnoff. Um, I didn't think he came across as entitled or smug or or all the you know, other adjectives our callers have uh, graced him with over the years of doing this show. Um, I thought it was you know a, a solid. He didn't. He, in other words, he didn't hurt himself uh, based on some strong booking. Jinder, by the way, the raspy voice seems to be healed. I thought that he broke away from the the half face snarl that he does. It's so kind of over the top cartoonish, and he. I thought he gave one of his more effective promos. Not putting him on the Mount Rushmore of uh, heel promos, but I thought this was a, a step up for him. He showed a little bit more range and broke from that. Uh, th- what made me think he was like this villain in a cartoon named at tweens. And I thought he, he upped his game a little bit. Yeah, I thought it was a very solid tag match. You know, yeah. himself teaming with uh, Elias against Seth and uh, Roman. And, you know, it puts heat on Elias now. He's got that victory against Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins is now selling that neck injury. So that's an intriguing battle going into Money in the Bank because when you look at that match, um, Elias versus Seth Rollins, you could you could really make the argument that Elias will win that considering now Seth is selling an injury. And I believe that for Elias to take that next step, he probably needs that championship. So he's not just talking the talk and not really backing it up. He needs something now or else if he doesn't get that IC title, to me, he sort of just slides a little bit further down and he becomes someone who's just talking and not backing it up. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show for Monday, June 4th, 2018. I'm Wade Keller, joined by a familiar voice to longtime listeners, Jason from Australia. He was a uh, caller of the PW Torch livecast for years, ended up being a uh, guest co-host on some of the livecasts, and now he's in rotation as a uh, guest analyst here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show and the uh, Pro Wrestling Podcast later in the week on Podcast One. So, Jason, welcome back to the program. Thanks for taking time out to talk about Raw tonight. Uh, not a problem, Wade. And, uh, you know, I saw the tweet by PW Torch. You got an all J- you almost got an all Jason week this week. I did. So I'm happy to be the first Jason part of this week. So tomorrow, speaking of which, great transition, just like we worked out at the production meeting. Uh, tomorrow, exactly. I'll be joined on the uh, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post show after SmackDown by Jason Solomon from Solomonster Sounds Off, a popular pro wrestling podcast for many years. And he is uh, part of the rotation of uh, great co hosts. Our goal here on this show is to have different voices and not have the same one or two people telling you what they think about things. And hopefully we challenge each other a little bit and, um, and, and challenge you, the listeners, to think about things differently by bringing you a variety of voices. And I'm really proud of the, uh, the different people who are willing to be co-hosts on this program with me uh, throughout the, uh, the time that I've been doing the show. And Jason Solomon joins me tomorrow, adds to that list. And then Wednesday, and I should have just had Jason Powell on again this week, but because it would have been perfect. But 
actually, although I have a counter to this, um, I, I have a way to take credit for this. The constable just just texted me with an alternate perspective on this, an alternate fact. Um, but on Wednesday, or excuse me, on Thursday this week, on the uh, flagship Thursday, it'll be Johnny Fairplay. And he'll be uh, on to talk about uh, the latest happenings of professional wrestling. But also, he attended SmackDown last week, so we'll talk to him about that experience. And now, John Morrison, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Mundo, he is going to be on Survivor next fall. And Johnny Fairplay gained his uh, most fame from being on, a contestant on Survivor as a, a wrestling fan, but not a wrestling celebrity. Well, John Morrison, Johnny Mundo will be on Survivor next season. That was announced on the Survivor season finale a couple weeks back. We're going to talk about that. I, I'm really curious to talk to Johnny about it. Johnny uh, hosts uh, a Survivor post-Survivor podcast and is very into Survivor, like the politics of it and the, the strategies and the contestants and all of that. And so it's going to be fun to talk to him about that on uh, the Thursday flagship. So tune in for that. And then Friday, it will be part two of my interview with ex-WWE creative team member Jason Allen. It is the uh, 10, 10th anniversary of Jason being in WWE as a creative team member. And he's also a longtime PW Torch reader and VIP member. Part one aired last Friday on my podcast, One Show. That's with the blue logo. The sh those shows air later in the week. So search Wade Keller to subscribe to that for free in Apple Podcasts or at the Podcast One app or just about any other podcast app that you use on your iPhone or Android device. And, and check out part one. Fascinating walk through his time in WWE as a writer's assistant. Some fascinating uh, stories and anecdotes he told. Some have been picked up by wrestling websites who uh, took some newsworthy quotes from that interview and published them online. Uh, so uh, check that out Friday, and then part two will be this coming Friday. Now, uh, Jason, I, I mentioned that I kind of have a technicality here. I, I was lamenting not having four Jasons in a row, right? Yes. But why can't I count Thursday, Friday... And then the first two shows this week. Last Thursday and Friday with Jason Powell and Jason Allen. And now it's you, Jason Australia. And tomorrow it's Jason Solomon. I did accomplish four Jasons in a row. I don't care that there's a weekend in between. Now, well, you know what you say then, Wade. You've had four Jasons over the calendar week. Yes, yes. I'll take that. I'll take that. Four Jasons in well, a row. Well, you know, that's what... Well, that's what, that's what they say in tennis. You know, if someone wins, you know, say four Grand Slams in a row, but they yeah. don't do it, say, the same year, it sort of loops over, um, you know, in a calendar year. So you've had four Jasons over a calendar week. Beautiful. Yes. I mean, it's spread over the end of May and the beginning of June, but why did I bring that up? That doesn't, that doesn't matter. Four Jasons in a row. Wait, don't. I am... You know, you're a journalist. You know, you don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. <laughs> yes. Mark for edit. Mark for edit. All right. So uh, we are live on the air tonight after all. We're live on the air tomorrow after SmackDown. We are always looking for on-site correspondence. And, and we're going to get to calls in just a minute. We've got a long line of callers up who, who want to uh, vent or otherwise. And that's what the phone lines are for. If you want to get in line on the phone banks, do so right now. 347-215-8558. That's 347-215-8558. Now, I will note, if you can't listen live and participate by phone call, uh, or you just want to respond to something that we say on the post shows here following Raw and SmackDown early in the week, send an email in for the flagship show. That's where we, uh, on a regular basis, hit the mailbag and answer questions. And that they can be questions or comments in response to what we say earlier in the week. So uh, if we say something that you want to uh, correct us on or add to or disagree with or add some perspective on or it just makes you curious about something you want to ask us about, send that for the flagship. The email address is wadekellerpodcast at pwtorch.com. And, uh, yeah, so uh, listen to us live tomorrow night after SmackDown. Now, I do have to scold Houston. 
They're on the list with Green Bay and uh, I forgot one or two other cities. Was it? I don't want to. I don't even want to disparage a city if I get it wrong. But Knoxville comes to mind. But I think Knoxville ended up coming through. But we've only had in almost a year of doing this three or four cities not come through with an on-site correspondent. Houston, you let me down. Big market. There's no excuse. You let us down. None of you would. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Attended tonight, volunteered to be on the show as an on-site correspondent. I put out uh, alerts on, on Twitter today asking for it. Nobody volunteered. So uh, a, a demerit, as Todd Martin would say, a demerit to the city of Houston. But we do have a correspondent lined up for Corpus Christi tomorrow. And if you attend a future Raw or SmackDown, do not take for granted that there's a long line of people. Uh, sometimes we have multiple people who volunteer. Sometimes, like tonight, we have none. So please email us, Podcast at pwtorch.com. Let me know if you can be a volunteer. Put in the subject line the city and the date. If you don't include the city, the search returns on my inbox won't return the city and you will be lost. So uh, put the city and date of the show that you're attending and let us know that you'll be an on-site correspondent. We've got one lined up for tomorrow night. So that is good, at least. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The Solomonster sounds off. Mundo goes to leave, and Taya says, wait, aren't you going to put any pants on? He just goes, no time for pants, and he walks off. That also happens to be Randy Orton's philosophy in life. My philosophy, too. See, you don't know if I'm wearing pants right now or not, do you? You can't see. I could be wearing nothing right now, for all you know. No time for pants. Since 2007, The Solomonster Sounds Off. Available at thesolomonster.com, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, and more. All right, uh, Jason, we have uh, lots of phone calls. So why don't we just start going through phone calls, and then without an on-site correspondent, that'll give us more time to uh, discuss other aspects of the show and answer email questions later on. We will begin with area code 414. What's your name in the city, please? Hey, Wade, this is Mitch from Milwaukee. So, uh, you know, I got I to kind of disagree with what you were saying about Roman tonight. Uh, to me, he, he came off uh, as he, like he was trying uh, too hard almost when he was in the corner waiting for Seth's tag. They kept kind of putting him in the background of the shot where he was trying to get the, the crowd pumped up and uh, to get him in. And I, mm-hmm. I just thought it was bit much and I'll, I'll say that i'm not a, i'm not a fan of his so maybe that's a a slight bias on my end but i uh it was a little off-putting to me the way that they're using him uh they're using seth's hot streak to try to kind of get roman cheered by the crowd i'm not a big fan of that right now actually I, no i'm glad you brought that up because i would say if i had a critique of roman 
Uh, and I'm not trying to backtrack here on, on thinking that he overall had a good night in terms of how he was booked, and I didn't think he did himself any damage on the interview later. I did think he got a little corny, a little cheesy on shaking the ropes and, oh, tag me in, and it, it felt forced. It felt a little unnatural. Um, I, I, I would agree with that. I, I don't think it offset uh, what is otherwise maybe graded on a curve a good week for Roman, uh, but I agree with you. It, it, if you're not a Roman fan and you see them linking Roman to Seth in this way, I mean, you can kind of roll your eyes and go, yeah, you're just trying to, you know, glom onto Seth's popularity to try to get gender over. And, and I get that, but I, I, it's, it's sort of, I can't spend years saying Roman Reigns needs to be booked to be a, a stand-up guy coming out to aid his friends and then criticize them when they actually book him doing it. But, but I can see where you're coming from if you're not a gender fan. Uh, Jason, your thoughts? Yeah, I didn't really notice that, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was a little, it was a little... A little over the top. Uh, I think Mitch has a, a astute observation there. Uh, Mitch, anything else? Uh, yeah, just, uh, just one more thing. Uh, I've never really been a, a Baron Corbin fan, but uh, he impressed me he, over the last few weeks. I've been when he after he's left or after his segment on the show. I've kind of said uh, I think he's got a. I know you like him, and I know you see a lot of him, but I, yeah. I've kind of seen the same thing over the last few weeks. I thought he showed. Uh, I thought he showed a good amount of personality tonight, and uh, I'm not sure what what the heck uh, Constable Corbin is going to be up to. But but uh, if it gets him a little more time to show that he does have some personality, I think uh, that can only be good. I I, I think they dis- they've decided Vince McMahon, being Bay, um, but and the people in a circle decided Baron Corbin can do better than just being in in you know staring at the camera selfie promo type mode. And that interacting with Angle, there might be some chemistry there. Um, it gives him a chance to give Corbin a little bit extra TV time. And, you know, Corbin is, you know, they, they've worked hard since the roster, uh, since the Superstar shakeup to kind of portray Corbin as the guy who likes to ruin fun. Um, if somebody's having a good time, he'll ruin it. And now he's like this brat who has power from Stephanie to make life miserable for Kurt Angle. And that might be good for Kurt to play off of him. Now, I think they have to be careful not having, because I, I wrote in my report on PWTorch.com during Raw tonight, I'm on Team Corbin. I'm with Corbin on this. I think Corbin was right. Angle was wrong tonight. And I think that they have to make be careful that Angle doesn't just start looking like an incompetent buffoon because Corbin is booked to be so, um, you know, correct. <laughs> like, um, mm. you know, like, and, and you know, via Stephanie, I mean, the whole thing of allowing Bailey into the match was just absurd. There's not... And, and there was an easy way to fix this. They could have shown Alexa Bliss bragging, unbeknownst to her on camera, about leaving Sasha and Ember Moon in the ring at a disadvantage. And then Kurt Angle could be told or notice and say, all right, that's it. You know, that was sabotage. I'm fixing this. Um, you know, Bailey, um, you're in the match. And then send another referee with Bailey to the ring and have that referee explain to the original, hey, we're putting Bailey in this match. And, and then all of a sudden, you've got Angle doing something that seems to make sense. But to just have Bailey run out there and have the referee just immediately like agree that that was totally how things work around here, when it's not, I thought made Corbin seem right and Bailey seem wrong. Do you think I'm, I'm off base, Jason? No. No, you're on base there. And I'm a fan of Baron Corbin's because he plays a heel. He's not looking to get cheered. He's not looking to anything cool. You're right. He's a guy that comes out there and spoils the fun. He spoiled the fun of everyone getting tacos, um, you know, by costing Kurt Hawkins the match. And now he's going to be an annoying person who's going to pick apart everything Kurt Angle does. But like you said, they've got to 
they've got to run the fine line here because if he is correcting things that are technically wrong, then I'm going to be cheering him because I'm like, well, yeah, you're actually right, Baron Corbin. So if he's going to come in there, he has to do things that seem unfair from a from a babyface point of view and also from a logical point of view. But tonight wasn't a good start in that because what he corrected was actually the right decision. Uh, Mitch, any closing words from you? No, that's it, Wade. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Great topics. Thanks. By the way, when you call the show, um, just want to remind you, you have to push one on your keypad after you call in and connect to us to indicate that you want to be on the show. Otherwise, you'll just be in the background. So uh, if you are interested in being on the show, just push one in your touchstone phone as area code 317 has done. Uh, 317, please state your name and the city you're calling from. You're up next. Hey, Wade, this is Evan from Indianapolis. How you doing? Uh, good. I heard Indianapolis, but I didn't. Is it Kevin? Evan. Devin. Go ahead. Yeah. What, what's up, Devin? Evan. Oh, hey, spe- how's it going, guys? Wait. Jay? Now, do, did you say it's Kevin or Devin? Do you say it's Kevin or Devin? Now I'm totally lost. <laughs> no, no K, no D, just an E. Oh, no wonder. All right. Now I'm with you. Evan, go. I, you just, I, I was so tempted to call you something else, but I couldn't come up with another name that rhymes with Evan. So, all right, go for it. That's fine. Yeah, um, I don't know. I was just calling to gripe. It yeah. Was, uh, not good. Not That's... good tonight. <laughs> uh, I had a chance to watch with my brother. Um, and just, I don't know. I can, so many times we just look at each other like, what, what is this? You know, the Bobby Lashley, same Zane thing was just, I mean, like miserable, painful to get there. You know, like what's going on there? What are they trying to do? Uh, Jason, I've asked you yet about that. Uh, you commented <laughs> a little bit earlier. Um, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll throw this out there. I, I thought that th- if – I don't have it verified, but I assume it's true that Bobby Lashley posted those things on his Instagram account. I, I don't know. I haven't had time to research if he actually has a VIP fan club, and when people say nice things to him, he sends them to a merchandise page. But I think the Instagram things were real, and I thought that this was a case of people behind the scenes making fun of Bobby for some of the, for who he is and how he presents himself on social media, and they put it in the hands of the heel to make fun of him. And it, I thought that it kind of made Bobby look bad, and Bobby needed to have a good comeback. His comeback, ultimately, you know, which is you know, say it to my face, and 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 then Sammy running away. I mean, ultimately, that's a good, you know, that's how you want the ba- you want the baby face to be brave in the heel to be a coward, but still, and you know, when Sammy accused him of not being in the army for real, that was very heelish, and that actually engaged the crowd. But when you're kind of cringing along with Sammy at some really trite things that, you know, got little memes that get or whatever that get posted, sayings, inspirational messages, and some of them are good. Those were two not good <laughs> inspirational messages. I mean, you're sort of nodding along with Sammy going, yeah, these are, kind of, these are kind of trite and stupid. And it just came across like WWE management decided this would be fun to emasculate Bobby a little bit before having a payoff at the end. That was my take on that segment. I thought Sammy was good. Um, with the material that he had to work with, and Lashley was, you know, as kind of awkward as ever. Um, Jason, your thoughts? Yeah, look, I've sort of removed the storyline from the way I judge this, and just looking at the performances. So I think Sami Zayn, with the material that he's been given, I find him just incredibly entertaining. And, you know, he's coming across really annoying, and I think he's really 
turned up his sort of maybe his natural personality to like a hundred because he's just going all in. Even though he sort of mentioned, you know, I wasn't able to cook my tofu steaks or something, and the way that he said it, and he just he just cracks me up because, like I said, he, he's a, to me he's a different performer than a lot of the other talent because he just has a natural flow to him the way that he says things. So I think the material that he's been given, he's come across very heelish. He's come to me. I find him entertaining but still dislikable. So I'm actually looking forward to Bobby Lashley kicking his ass. But I agree with what you're saying. This really hasn't done Bobby Lashley any favours. If anything, we're seeing how great of a performer Sami Zayn is and how heelish she is, but at the same time is sort of chipping away at Bobby Lashley. Well, as someone who eats a plant-based diet and hasn't had a steak in over 10 years, I, I thought that's there's Vince McMahon making fun of those tofu eaters again, like Daniel Bryan. Um, but anyway, but I, I got to... But do you reckon maybe Sammy... I know, I know what you're saying, but yeah. do you reckon maybe Sammy said that just like to sort of overreact and everything? You well, know what course. I mean? Like just to go along with it? Yeah. I, can, I, can laugh along. It, I, I can laugh along with it, but it plays into my... It goes into yeah. my theory that Vince is... You know, the segment was sort of Sammy making fun of things that Vince likes to make fun of. Yeah, but it was even a thing that Sammy did like. It's funny how this becomes like a heelish thing where he, he took a while to get like his reading glasses out just to read a couple of sentences. Like yes. that's a heelish thing to do. Like, yeah. I, I think I think I think this guy knows comedy. Like he, he's yes. got a good comedic touch to him. So that's I'm enjoying his overall performance. Yes. No, and 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 my my love of tofu should not get in the way of the good point you made about Sammy's performance. Uh, anyway, uh, Evan, go ahead. What, what else do you have for us? Yeah, I agree with you guys on Sammy. I think he's doing a great job with just the material. It's just like, what is going on? But um, anyways, um, <laughs> what do you guys think about Money in the Bank? I think I called a year ago and asked for your predictions on who was going to win, and I think I called Carmella then. But oh, wow. uh, if you guys had to predict, who do you think is going to win both of those? I, I, I uh, will throw it to Jason first. I haven't come to a conclusion on my um, predictions for it yet, in part because I find that as I watch the shows, my opinions sway a little bit as I kind of watch the angles and see how things are being positioned. So I, I, while I'm paying attention to the hype, I haven't sat down and kind of come up with my quote-unquote official uh, predictions yet. But, I mean, I have some leading contenders in mind. But I'll throw to you first, Jason, on it. Yeah, I wonder what's happening with Natalia because she was going to be my pick. I reckon she might sort of make a miraculous comeback and somehow win. Um, you know, I don't see Charlotte winning it um, or Becky Lynch. I think I think it'll be someone from Raw. So I, I'm going to stick with Natty just based on this storyline because I'm intrigued where they're going. And as far as the men is concerned, you know, to be honest, I could see the Miz winning it. I could see the Miz winning it. So you know, he'll be a two-time Money in the Bank winner. I think they want to sort of push him up to that level. So I could see him actually win. I don't see Braun winning it because he doesn't need it. Um, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor. No, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning with the Miz. Yeah, um, I, I think there's a number of pros. I, I think you can make a case for just about everybody in the men's match, which is good, you know, that you can. I mean, mm. they could strap a rocket to Joe. Um, they could decide to strap a – it could be part of a long-term storyline with New Day if whoever they choose to be in that match wins it, and that leads mm-hmm. to dissension or just simply a, a singles babyface push for one while the other two are in a tag team. And I'm not against that. Uh, Kevin Owens uh, being scared of heights uh, is an interesting twist on things, um, but it, it, it might play into the storyline of the match. Uh, but uh, Kevin Owens, obviously carrying around a briefcase for months and months and months, um, can give his character a little extra oomph, and he can be as, as uh, obnoxious and abrasive about that as anybody. Uh, Bobby Roode could sure use the boost, and I wouldn't be shocked 
to see Braun Strowman about to win and Bobby Roode turn heel somehow, although I don't think you can, in an every-man-for-himself match, I'm not no. quite sure how you turn heel, so that, that they have to finesse that. But maybe if they decide with the hints tonight of Roode going heel, um, maybe you can make a case for Roode winning in that situation. The Miz, I, 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 Jason, I'll disagree. I think Miz needs it less than anyone. Oh, I shouldn't say I'm disagreeing with you when I say that, but I think WWE should give it to somebody who would get a boost from it um, or just give it to Braun because they want to establish... Braun is dominant, and he doesn't lose any match he's in. And he also then could announce ahead of time a cash-in against Brock Lesnar, and that would be the route to giving him a title shot, which you know could then ideally lead to Roman Reigns being mad and turning heel. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so with the men's, I think you can make a case for a lot of them. But Evan, let me... Th- with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no throw to you on the men's matchup what what's your thought is taking into account what happened tonight on raw of who moved ahead and who moved yeah. backwards. I think it's either, I think, like you said, Strowman with, like, the advance call and the cash-in, or I think it's Samoa Joe. I think Samoa Joe pulls the men's. Do you think we've, I mean, I think when Natalia went over with Ronda, I think it was, like, the obvious, like, booking was, okay, she's going to turn on her once she wins the title, ca- like, wins the briefcase, cashes in. Do you think we've gone too far away from that? Like, cause Natalia's been playing the babyface pretty good. Well, I think if you're going to turn Natalia heel, even though she never turned babyface, other than, hey, I'm friends with Ronda. Um, forget everything you saw on SmackDown right, right. and all the annoying stuff I did over there. Now, like me, because I'm friends with Ronda, who wasn't, I think, particularly likable tonight. We'll get into that. Um, and I, so, to me, you want her to be firmly established as a babyface, so when she turns, it doesn't seem like Ronda's a dope for not seeing it coming. I could see Natal- Natalia winning but not cashing in or turning heel right away. And just have Natalia with a briefcase standing there awkwardly next to Ronda with the WWE Women's Championship for months. And that is sort of just tension that's just there. And you wonder what's going to happen. And, you know, Natalia maybe comes to ringside to help Ronda when she's facing a heel opponent at some point. And then it seems like she's there to cheer her on, but then she cashes in when Ronda's down. So I think there's storyline possibilities there that can't be ignored. I don't... I mean, Alexa Bliss could win, but it would sort of feel like a replay of, of Carmella. Um, and, and Naomi could win, but, I mean, Babyface is winning out of... I, don't, I just don't think that there's a lot to do there. Ember Moon, just because she's newer, it'd be a way to say, hey, she's for real, she's a big name, and she could cash in against Rousey if Rousey's champion, and that would give an excuse for that, especially if Rousey turned heel. 
Um, Sasha's pretty cold. Maybe that could heat her up. Uh, Charlotte, obviously, they could just decide, hey, she's our top female athlete other than Ronda. We want to give her a boost. Here's a chance to do it. So like I said, other than Lana, you can make a case for anybody in that match, too. Uh, Evan, who's your official pick? Yeah, I was thinking, isn't, is Becky Lynch in the match? She's not oh, sure. Yeah, she is, too. I, yeah, she would, she'd get a boost, too. She's got kind of along okay, with that, Ember Moon. That was my pick. I was thinking, okay. you didn't, when you were running through everybody, yeah. you didn't mention Becky. And, yeah, everybody she, forgets Becky. She in the match? No, that... I think yeah. um, I think Carmella's going to win sneaky over Asuka, and that's going to put the briefcase in Becky's hands. It's kind of that mm-hmm. dynamic there. Um, I appreciate you guys taking my call. I appreciate all the entertainment you guys provide. Uh, VIP, great. Uh, my last question, when are we going to see the demon again? I, I miss him. When, ah. When's that going to happen again? Let me know. Cool. Thanks, yeah, guys. appreciate it. Absolutely. Good call. Um, well, Jason, let me ask you about the women's match first, and we'll talk about the demon, Finn Balor. Mm. So about who's going to win the uh, yeah, yeah, the women's money in the bank? Maybe even uh, who moved up or who moved down based on booking tonight. And yeah, so, uh, look, I still think Natalia is going to win. Yeah, um, I just think with, with the storyline, I can see them doing something with this. So she's my pick on the Raw side. Yeah. Um, as far as SmackDown side is concerned, if Natalia doesn't win, I would love to see Becky Lynch win. They need to do something with Becky Lynch. She is. She's one of the most popular superstars that they have, full stop. Yep. People just love her. So, I mean, for her to climb there and take that briefcase and win it, I think the crowd would go wild, and I think she would be my next pick. And I would hope that she would win. But there's also a part of me that could see Lana winning too, to be honest with you. But do you think that? Do you think that? You think they go two years in a row with someone like Carmelo? People were like, oh, you know. Don't really know about Carmella winning and then Lana. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I was sort of dismissive in like, well, just about anybody can win except Lana. And then and then you say that. And I'm like, so now Lana's my leader. You know what? Wait. Yeah. I'll tell you what. If, if, if they do the women's match first and Lana wins and then Rusev wins, I'm more than happy with that. I'm oh. more than happy with both of them walking around with the briefcase. I reckon that'd be pretty cool. That, that's actually, yeah, that's true. I mean, I kind of left Rusev out of my... Uh, analysis of of you know who who should be considered a possible winner in money in the bank but yeah if, if both lana and rusev won and they walk around with the briefcases that that could heat them up also uh, so yeah, yeah i mean it's it's this is i mean it's fun because i mean some people are going to be convinced they're right and they're going to be wrong and we'll never hear from them again other people are going to be convinced they're right and they're going to be right and they're going to go see it was predictable i don't think it's predictable i i think that you can make a case for a number of these a uh, number of people, uh, just about everybody in both matches, and that's the way I think it... Well, I shouldn't say it should be that way all the time, because sometimes you should just have somebody who obviously is going to win, and it's just a matter of how do they get there, because it's the right choice. I don't think there's a, quote, right choice, or a single right choice in both matches at the exclusion of others. Well, do now, do we rule out people like Samoa Joe and Finn Balor because we've already seen the visual of them unhooking the briefcase if we go to the type of booking WWE utilizes (laughs) because we've already seen that we're not going to see it again yeah or because you know because that's obviously WWE's way doing things but say if Samoa Joe wins and we've now seen the visual of him unhooking the briefcase twice I'm more than happy with that because now they're retraining us to believe, you know, just because you saw it on Raw it also means you can see it at Money in the Bank so you know I'd be happy with that too yeah, there is that whole reverse psychology thing. Yeah, let's we don't want to. It's like you know, you get a ring entrance once per show, not twice. You get an unhooking of the Money in the Bank briefcase. Now somebody can go and do the research on this, and God bless you if you have time or the memory for this um, to to research if anybody has ever won Money in the Bank who on television unhooked it first on TV. That'd be an interesting stat. Well, I think you know, I think from memory when Dean Ambrose won the Money in the Bank, I think. The week prior, 
the mm. raw leading up to it. He actually won his match. Yeah. And I think people think, well, because he won his match, he's not going to go on and win it. And he actually yeah. did do that. So I don't mind yeah. when they reverse, reverse psychology. <laughs> I agree. I, I, I like that. I like that. Um, so F- Demon, Demon Finn Balor. We'll see the Demon when... We shouldn't see the Demon until he's in a feud where it seems appropriate to see the Demon. I, I thought Vince rushed into him at the beginning. Oh, I got this new toy to play with. You know, let's break it out of the box. And then he put it away. Um, you know, Balor got hurt, and that affected things. But he hasn't had that feud that called for the Demon in a while. Um, no. So I, I'm fine waiting until... In, I don't think he should force it. When, when it seems appropriate, do it. But he's fine doing what he's doing now without just forcing this this kind of alternate personality that he has. Well, look, if he ever had that match with Brock Lesnar, then you've got the Demon versus the Beast. So he has to go to that extra place in order to really find something to take it up to Brock Lesnar. Or if he was facing Braun Strowman, who was a heel, you do the Demon versus mm-hmm. the Monster. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at sort of marketing lines for them. That's when he needs it, when he really needs to dig deep and get into that uh, different personality or persona in order to take it up to these unstoppable monsters. That's when he needs it. Yeah, yeah. Wrestling fans, if you're looking for a unique and entertaining way to get your wrestling podcast fixed, check out Ring Rust Radio. Ring Rust Radio uses its trademark brand of banter to cover all professional wrestling you love, including WWE, NXT, New Japan, Lucha Underground, ROH, Impact Wrestling, and more. We also hold sit-down interviews with some of the biggest names in the history of the business, such as Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, Trish Stratus, AJ Styles, and Roman Reigns. For those of you who want their wrestling with a perfect mix of serious analysis and comic relief, find Ring Rust Radio dropping every Wednesday night on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get back to calls, just a reminder, if you're interested in becoming a PW Torch VIP member, all the information you need is at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. It's our new VIP information page. Check it out on mobile or your laptop. They'll tell you all about the exclusive podcasts, the benefits of being VIP, which include the ads and plugs on the Wade Keller podcast throughout the week, and all the live casts being removed. So you get an ad-free, plug-free, streamlined experience. And all our podcasts for VIP members are compatible on popular podcast apps on both iPhone and Android devices, plus 30-plus years of archives of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter, thousands of hours of podcasts, and even retro radio shows that have never been heard since they aired on the radio back in the 1990s. We've got tons of those instantly accessible with new ones being added every week. Plus, add for access to our VIP-exclusive website. Go check out details, pwtorchvipinfo.com. We will begin with area code 414. 414, you're up first today. Please state your name in the city you're calling from. All right, let's go next. Uh, by the way, if you are listening to us live and want to be on the show, if you've called in, push 1 on your keypad if you want to be on the show. And if you haven't called in yet but you are streaming us live, the number is 347-215-8558. I'm Wade Keller, joined by Jason Australia, and this is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Let's go to 516 next. 516, thanks for holding. Please state your name in the city you're calling from. Hey, Wade, hey, Jason. It's your uh, new primer specialist, Frank from Farmingdale. How are you guys doing tonight? Excellent, hey, Frank. Frank. Thanks for calling, yes. Right in previews for Ron Smackdown on PWTorch.com. Thanks, Wade. Thanks for the opportunity on that. Yeah, yeah, I really for do sure. appreciate it. And uh, good, uh, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, Jason, as well. Um, 
you guys stole my thunder on a couple of things uh, tonight. First of all, before I go into wrestling, is there any reason that Michael Cole and Corey Graves on separate occasions brought up the New York Mets struggles? They're not even in New York. They're in Houston, and they had to bring that up. Do they not know I am a suffering Mets fan that this team can't hit, can't pitch, can't feel, can't do a thing, and are about to go into a tailspin? Is there any reason that they had to bring that team up tonight? Did you guys catch that? No. No, I, I didn't catch it either. And, and I, I love my baseball, Frank, but maybe maybe you're maybe you're so hurt that you're actually looking for things for them to say. I think, mate, you just got to calm down, mate. You just got to calm down. It'll be all right. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> I kid no, nah, I kid you not. They brought it up a couple. Of, I had a rewind. Oh, they, you know, they brought it up a couple of times, and uh, I, you know what? At the end of the day, I got a laugh out of it. But uh, anyway, um, just on the, um, I'll start with the Bobby uh, Lashley, Sami yeah. Zayn segment. Uh, you guys were talking about it earlier on. I mean, it's just such a poor use of Bobby Lashley. You got this guy, six foot three, two hundred and sixty pounds, badass. Could have so many matches with you know Drew McIntyre. You name it. Uh, he could have it. Um, it just makes me wonder why he even rehired him. I mean, if, if Vince doesn't know what to do with him or thinks he knows what to do with him, it just makes me wonder why he's even here. I will say, uh, and I, I agree with you guys, I thought that Sammy's acting was really good. He was acting like a heel. And in this day and age when we don't have true heels, when we have, you know, I want to walk with Elias, and you have the fans chanting, you know, chanting briefcase cash-ins. When you have fans chanting what the heel or cheering what the heels do, that's not what you want to see from a heel. You want to see the fans booing. So separating the storyline, like you said, Jason, um, mm. I like the way that Sami Zayn was acting. I like the way that you know uh, he was at least uh, working with the material. The one thing I didn't like when he brought up the line about, I wonder if you ever in the military. Where was Bobby Lashley's anger to, like, go through the crowd and go after him and chase him out of the arena? You don't have that emotion anymore. You don't have that, that natural emotion that you want to, you know, evict from somebody when you bring up a line like that and create real conflict. What do, what, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, Jason, it would have been better for Bobby to make his way through the crowd and have Sammy run away and end the segment on that note as opposed to just looking angry. Yeah, I, that's what I was expecting, what he was going to do. I thought he was just going to run through the crowd or, you know, not run, but sort of walk briskly as if to say, OK, now you've gone too far. Yeah, um, you know, there's only so much you can sort of do that stone face and look angry without actually doing anything. You know, <laughs> I don't mean to be too uh, clever or cute here, but I actually thought Sami Zayn was going to say, and you know what, Bobby? Your eyebrows, I don't even know if they're real as well. I wonder who's going to say that. <laughs> Have we ever... Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Have we verified that Bobby <laughs> that Bobby has sisters? Because Michael Cole did vouch for Bobby actually being in the army, but he, he stopped short of saying that I know Bobby Lashley has sisters. So that's that's still up in the air, I would say. Because uh, why wouldn't Cole vouch for that if it were true? Yeah. Well, I mean, look. Obviously, Bobby Lashley's going to go over Sami Zayn at Money in Bank, and then he's going to move on. And hopefully, they'll find something a little bit more that he can, you know, sink his teeth into. And you know, we we can position him as a as a strong babyface. I just wonder though, guys, who would be his next natural opponent? I mean, do you see why? Do you see him? Do you see Vince pushing Bobby into say the main event picture come SummerSlam? I mean, how do you how do you push this guy? Because to me, Bobby Lashley is one of these awkward ones that if you're going to push him as a babyface, then you need him to come across heels that are very, very dislikable, 
or he's got to be, you know, slaying monsters that are taller than him. And you've got to, at the same time, create sympathy. So I find him as a babyface act, you know, fairly tough to book. I, I think you can book him against Elias, Baron Corbin, Jinder Mahal, a heel Bobby Roode. I think that's probably what's on, on, you know, on the schedule for Bobby over the next year. I don't, I don't think he's. I, I, I just he's just he's just too quirky and too too limited as a babyface if they keep him babyface to be a top tier babyface the way that they're portraying him. Yeah. So I think he's got to be sort of the, the the big name who when he's on a house show you sort of feel like oh you know we're seeing a star. But I didn't pay to see him. I wouldn't want him in the main event. But oh, he's kind of a star. He was in that Donald Trump thing, and he carries himself well, and he looks the part. Uh, and so you know, there's a spot on the roster for somebody like that. And on on Raw, you know, I mean, they're they're trying. I mean, Sammy's carrying 99% of the weight on this so far, and they're just hoping hoping Bobby doesn't do damage. But you know, with his just kind of standing there with his facial expressions and language. But I I will give La- I mean, I give Lashley some credit in that. In response to Sammy being abrasive and obnoxious, Lashley sort of, and maybe it's just the totality of his acting range, or maybe he deserves more credit for it, he is sort of acting like, I can barely be bothered to deal with this troll. You know, I'm just going to beat him up. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. I think that can work uh, opposite of Sammy and is as bad. Bad as awful as some of the judgment has been in this, and as limited as Bobby is, it, it's not like Bobby's doing damage in the way that he's responding. I think there's some sort of dignity to standing there going, I'm not going to let you saying I wasn't in the army cause me to chase you through the crowd. I got a match with you. I'm a professional fighter, and I, I've got a date. I've got a date with you already. I don't have to chase you down. We'll see you at Money in the Bank, and I'm going to, you know, so to me, that there's a certain dignity to the way Bobby's been acting through all this nonsense. That maybe is a notch on the uh, on the positive side for fans deciding whether they're going to kind of really get behind him or not. Yeah, I mean, I guess from my point of view, guys, you know, I just want to see him just let loose. You know, I'm really looking forward to get through this feud with Sami Zayn. You know, a couple of other feuds with heels, but then let him loose as a heel. Uh, because I think you'd have yeah, Braun Strowman as a babyface champion up against a Bobby Lashley as a mm-hmm. heel champion, yeah. or even Seth Rollins as a champion, with Bobby Lashley challenging him and being that dominant heel and letting loose and going with his promos, which is what we saw in TNA. That's where the money is with Bobby Lashley. That's where he can be a real money player. But I can understand them just sort of, just almost sort of taking it slowly and reintroducing him to the WWE audience. Yeah, I, I, I hope. They get a lot out of Bobby, and it's going to take some, and, and it's going to take some long-term planning. But ultimately, I think the most money to be made with Bobby is playing the heel role he played in Impact. Whether Vince is aware of that or, or comes around to that, 
Um, we'll see. That said, now that he's a baby face, keep him that for a while. You know, I mean, get work through Elias and Corbin and, and Ziggler, um, and maybe he'll Bobby Roode first, and then you know, go and then build up some some equity with the audience before turning. Uh, Frank, any closing mm-hmm. comments for you? Yeah, did you uh, speak? Well, speaking of uh, misplaced guys, what about Drew McIntyre? I don't know if you guys uh, hit on that yet, but um, no. you know, do you think possibly we could see uh, a breakup? between him and Ziggler. I didn't get that evidence tonight because when Ziggler got eliminated, I would have thought that McIntyre would have been pissed, would have said something to Ziggler, they would have had a little conflict. Instead, they came back into the ring and, and started attacking everybody. So, you know, what's the trajectory, do you think, um, you know, for McIntyre? Do you still see them together or maybe at some point, you know, breaking them up and, hey, there's one of your matches with Lashley. I'd, I'd definitely be into Ziggler and, I mean, uh, Ziggler, McIntyre and, uh, and Lashley. All right, yeah, uh, thanks, Frank. Really appreciate it. I, I think uh, Drew had a, a little moment in the spotlight uh, reacting the way that he did or just kind of being dominant at the beginning of the match and then uh, reacting the way he did after Ziggler got eliminated and having to be held off. It showed some fire, but there definitely weren't hints of dissension. It was more uh, Ziggler just coming in and working with Drew. I, I don't think you should be premature in breaking them up because it just then looks like you're abandoning an angle before it played out. I don't think there's a lot of chemistry between them. Um, Maybe that will develop. I haven't seen it yet. But I don't think the answer to that is just break them up right away. I don't think Drew is being damaged by being with Ziggler, but I don't think Ziggler is being helped if that was one of the goals. So either they got to develop a rapport and a chemistry or they have to, within a few months, kind of end this because Drew is just too valuable. Um, and you don't want him defined down by Ziggler uh, or, or you know, kind of pulled down from what, his potential. But tonight, I mean, the crowd reacted to him, and, and he showed fire, and he looked like a star out there amongst a lot of wrestlers who do not emanate star power, Jason. No, you're right. And I thought I heard the crowd boo when Ziggler got eliminated. Yeah. So I think the crowd, you know, wanted to see McIntyre and Ziggler win. To be honest with you, Wade, I was surprised actually in the match because I thought, yeah, all right, welcome back. Uh, during the commercial break, Jason and I are talking about the, 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 the thing that I can't believe more people didn't bring up an email and that none of the callers brought up, which was the, the Ronda Rousey. Uh, during, during the Natalia-Nia Jax match, uh, Corey Graves said, Nia said that Ronda Rousey is ripe for the picking, to which Ronda said, ripe for the picking is something only my husband calls me. And then they cut to a break, and Cole said, we'll get more into that after this. And then they come back, and Corey Graves said, as I mentioned earlier, Nia says you're right for the picking. And then they showed Ronda on camera, and Ronda repeated her line, right for the picking is something only my husband calls me. And I, 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 at that moment, I thought, okay, I, I, I'm going a little crazy here. I swear, did I hit rewind on the DVR and not, you know, like, or, you know, did I hit rewind on my DVR and not notice? And, and now I'm repeating the, the match and I, I got confused. And I had to go back and rewatch. And it really happened. Uh, I thought Rhonda had a terrible night, by the way. I thought she was awful. Um, I thought that she was not the least bit likable. Whatever the opposite of charming is, that's what Rousey was. She came across as petulant, grouchy, gruff. Uh, the crowd was quiet. It was quiet for the match. They didn't really have a stake in it. And if you're watching on TV, I just didn't quite. I just knew I was kind of rooting against Rousey by the by the end because she just was. I I just not charismatic, not charming. Uh, Jason, uh, both that weird <laughs> that weird thing she said both before I, wasn't that good of a line, 
her body language when she said it was weird when they showed it on camera the second time she said it. It was honestly one of the strangest thing I, things I've seen on WWE TV. Of all the things to like, oh, that didn't quite go right. We need to go back to it. It was like repeating a move when there's a botched move. Like, except <laughs> it wasn't botched. I don't know what to say. What, what's your take, Jason? I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, kind of hot at the same time, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I just found it to be pretty funny. My husband says I'm right. But I mean, put uh, that on a T-shirt. Maybe yes. she should change the name from Rowdy Ronda Rousey to Ripe Ronda Rousey. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I just said I thought it was. I thought yeah. it was a pretty funny comment. But um, you're right with her performance. Um, Nia Jax came across more sympathetic to me. Yeah. You know, because she actually she didn't do nothing wrong. I didn't know. Natalia hurt herself by sort of leaping over? Um, you know, and it was complete opposite to last week's performance by Nia Jax, where I thought Nia, Nia Jax last week, I have to say, that was my favorite performance of her in isolation because I thought she had a lot of swagger to her. She was very confident in the ring. She was taking apart this local competitor. Yep. I thought she'd come across very dislikable and arrogant. The only problem is, is that she was sort of, you know, um, it was in complete contradiction to the character that she was only playing like a week or so ago, which yeah. was against anti-bullies and everything. But now she was playing the bully. So in isolation, I loved the performance. It was just a complete disconnect for me. Now this week, she's going back to sort of being a more likable type of person, showing concern for Natalia. She is Natalia's friend. She has every right to be there. And Ronda's like, well, haven't you done enough? Even though accidents do happen in the ring. So I find myself more sympathetic towards Nia this week compared to Ronda Rousey. Absolutely. I, I thought when backstage, because Natalia like, popped her knee or twisted her knee in the match, bouncing into the ropes. And then Nijax gave her her finisher and won. Which, you know, I'm sorry, but there's nothing... I, I don't remember in the rule book it says, well, there's your, your goal is to beat your opponent. Twist and torque the leg. Like Shayna Baszler, which she was doing to Dakota Kai last week on NXT. Like twist her leg, stomp on it. You know, in all that stuff, but it's not meant to injure the knee. Like, is that is that WWE's rule? Like, you can't. You're supposed to apologize if you take advantage of an injury, if it's especially if it's accidental or you know, kind of a fluke running into the ropes. I don't remember that ever being making any sense. Like, if somebody hurts their knee by your doing or running the ropes or otherwise, you seize the opportunity and win. That that's how this works. So yeah, well, that, of course that's how it works because when when Oscar applies the armbar, she's trying to break the arm. When Kurt Angle applies the ankle lock, he's trying to break the ankle. You apply moves to try and do maximum damage, and it's up to the person to submit or not. So of course, and, and and the WWE promote that. All the moves are meant to inflict damage. You know, even tonight after Finn Balor um, did the stomp on Kevin Owens, Corey Graves said, you know, Owens might have broken ribs, but that's just part and parcel of the game. And, and I think you could make the argument that, well, when they apply the ankle lock or the arm bar, they could snap the ankle or arm. But what they do is they immobilize the opponent, cause great pain. It's up to the opponent to tap out before they snap a bone. And you could say going right to snapping a bone would be unsportsmanlike. Even in MMA, you know, there's times that there's uh, an arm bar applied where the result is going to be snapping a bone if the opponent doesn't immediately tap and the opponent will give them the courtesy of letting them know you can't go anywhere and I'm bending your arm in a way it's not supposed to go. You better tap if you want me to let go before I break it. And as we saw with Nogueira once, you don't tap, you end up with a broken arm. Uh, so this was not that. <laughs> this was like, I, so my point in, in this is why did Naya go up to Natalia backstage and apologize? I didn't mean to hurt your knee. Well, first of all, you didn't hurt her knee. 
Natalia did when she ran into the ropes. Her boot, mm. you know, gave out. So why is she apologizing for something she had nothing to do with? All she did is give her a finishing move after Natalia got hurt doing her own move. So that's yeah. bad. And then Rousey says, haven't you done enough already? Well, I'm <laughs> sorry, but she didn't do anything. Like, how are we yeah. supposed... If, if Ronda Rousey's a baby face here, Ronda's being this petulant toddler. Like, oh, haven't you done enough already? All she did is win her match. I mean, who's Ronda... Of all people... To say, oh, have mercy on your opponent. Don't go for the win. Are you kidding me? Like, who's yeah. booking this crap? This is awful. And Ronda's terrible at this, but the booking is terrible. The material is terrible. And then Naya goes from apologizing for doing something she didn't do, that even if she did do it, she shouldn't have to apologize, to saying to Ronda, hey, we were having a match. You should know this isn't ballet. Bingo! That's what Nia should have said from the beginning. So this segment was all over the place. Ronda wasn't sympathetic at all. She was wrong. Nia apologized for something she didn't do that she took credit for doing that she shouldn't have apologized for, even if she did it. And then she completely flipped and took the other stance, which is, who cares what I did? It's not ballet. It was a complete car wreck of an angle. Whoever wrote that should not be writing segments on national television for wrestlers because it did damage. It was a complete mess. And after what the way Nye acted last week, and now she's acting differently this week, this whole thing is it, it I don't want to say it's a disaster, but it's 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 heading towards that. I thought when they did Nye against Rada, they'd have a really clear way story that they were telling, and they would tell it well. And instead you have Ron I mean, going back to Rada, commentary, I mean I just want to underline it wasn't good. Michael Cole congratulated Ronda for being among a small handful of people whose first singles match is a televised championship match. Now, first of all, that's a very weird thing to congratulate somebody for. Congratulations for being gifted something that many people have to work long and hard for that you just got handed to you because you're star power. That's how some people might interpret it. So it's a mm. bad thing for Cole to say. But then Rousey looked at him like he had just asked her about an affair with Monica Lewinsky 20 years ago. That's that's the look Ronda shot back, and, and then she, and then she mumbles. Yeah, she didn't know what to say to that. Like I don't know if she forgot a line or she wasn't prepared for it. But she goes, "Yeah, you know, there's a a, a, a list of firsts uh, that I've had already up to this point. But since I'm not the first, this is already tried ground." And she just mumbled it. It was it was awkward. It got everything off to a shaky start. Um, and and Ronda came across like she did. I mean, when reporters ask her about her losing in MMA and quitting when she lost, she gives them this death stare. Like, how dare you ask me a question and do your job? And she gave Cole that look for this sort of clumsy, innocuous comment he made. I just, she shouldn't be on live television. Like, I mean, or I don't know. I mean, I really, I thought this was her worst week to date by far. And then there was that line and somebody emailed about this or tweeted about it. Um, uh, Otunga said, how do you feel pressure being moved to the front of the line ahead of women that even you admit are more deserving? Which, by the way, is a terrible way to build up a baby face. Yeah, how do you feel about being moved in front of the line and getting favorable treatment, even though you don't want it, but you accepted it? It's like, come on, this is terrible booking. And then Rhonda said, yeah, but pressure is what I'm used to. It brings out the best in me. Stop there. No, she didn't stop there. She goes, pressure is what builds up behind a bullet in a chamber of a gun. And it's like, why are we bringing up gunfire on Raw? And it's family-friendly. We're headed to Fox for all this big money. It's a kind of a small thing, but somebody brought that up on Twitter. It's just it's just not good judgment. And it goes to, I don't know if it was scripted for her or she just came up with it, but the whole thing was just strange. 
And then we had, after that, the right for the picking before the commercial break and the right for the picking right after the commercial break. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought this was rough. Yeah. I mean, look, to me, the whole feud has come at least eight to nine months too early. The way that Nia Jax was acting last week is something is the way that she should be acting once she's had about three to four successful title defenses under her belt. And we see the evolution of her character from overcoming Alexa Bliss, overcoming, you know, the bully. And then because she gets so confident in her wins, she actually becomes the bully again. The evolution of the Nia Jax character going back to being a heel and how she thinks she's going to be so dominant and she gets overconfident taking on Ronda Rousey. That's how this story should have played out. I'm not sure why they... I, mean, I know why they've gone to this match early because of these TV rights and they want to get probably the championship on Ronda Rousey or whatever. But um, this could have this story could have been told in a much more fluent and logical way. But we are where we are right now. But this week was definitely a step back. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Natalia plays a role in this type of feud. But, yeah, like you said, Wade, it, it's sort of all over the place. And, uh, you know, Ronda Rousey on commentary. I mean, if, if Otunga asks that question, you know, um, look, you're getting to the front of the line. How do you feel about that? All Rousey had to say was, look, you're right. I have been pushed to the front of the line. But when I win that championship, I'm more than going to prove that I'm worthy as a champion. And I'm... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I will not back down from any challenger. So I will put my title on the line and I'll take it up to anyone. So you sort of turn it around as if to say, yes, okay, I might not have been deserving of the championship, but I will be a fighting champion and I will prove why I deserve to be champion. Not come up with some silly thing that's got to do with the pressure of the gun where a lot of people are like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of that, here's the email. Actually, it wasn't a tweet from Bradley from Liverpool. He says, uh, hey, wait, I just wanted to make a quick note about Ronda Rousey's comment while on commentary. An announcer made a comment about her facing pressure. She said she's good under pressure. Pressure is what you get in the chamber of a gun before it fires a bullet. I just think, why did she say that? There's no need to reference guns. What's wrong with, hey, I thrive under pressure. Pressure makes me rise to the occasion. Or I was under pressure when I won the Women's UFC Championship. I was under pressure when I won my first match at WrestleMania. And yes, I'm under pressure again going up against Nia. Why the obscure reference to firing a gun? Even me being in England, I'm well aware of the huge gun debates and repeated mass shootings and school shootings in the USA. I find it so strange to force this line in. I don't think wrestling should be political, but could it be a subtle nod to Trump and his NRA supporters? Thanks for all the great podcasts and the thoughtful outlook on wrestling. I, I would, I'm going to stop short of thinking it was some sort of nod to Trump or the NRA supporters or anything like that. Nah, nah. Um, I think it was just a clumsy line. 
I think I think she I think she was trying to say like I think she was trying to have a clever line like a clever one liner as if to say oh okay but um I think the email is right what, what actually a better line that she could have said was well you know I had my first match ever at WrestleMania and you saw how I was under pressure yeah so exactly you know I take pressure like that I you know I take pressure like that and you know you're going to see how I'm going to handle the pressure against Nia Jax. Then people are going to start thinking, geez, well, she handled that pressure really well at WrestleMania. She's going to be doing very well against Nia Jax. She just could have left it like that. I, I agree. Yeah, the B team was going to win. So if, they're not, if, if McIntyre and Ziggler are not going to win this match, then don't even put them in there to begin with. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, I guess it's smart to, well, I shouldn't say, you could do it. There's different ways to book it, but having Ziggler survive a few times and then get eliminated and then have Drew just, you know, go bonkers, I guess is a way to give Drew and Ziggler a little spotlight before they're they're out of the picture and then it's just sort of jobberville from there, um, which is, you know, what it what it turned into. All right, let's uh, let's go to uh, 240 next. Uh, 240, please state your name and the city you're calling from. Is Ryan from Cumberland, Maryland. Hey, Ryan, thanks for calling. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, my question is about the first match that aired with Fremen Reigns and Seth Rollins. Yeah. Against Elias. Uh, when they did that finish with Elias doing the DDT on Seth Rollins, were they potentially maybe copying New Japan in that they're uh, loosening up on disqualifications like New Japan does? Uh, explain that a little more. Well, Elias the DDT right in front of the referee on a chair, which is obviously a disqualification. The ref saw it. The ref well, stood there. And I'll give you. I, like it was nothing. I'll give the reason I ask you to explain it because I, I think I give WWE a little credit here in that Seth brought the chair into the ring. So I think the discretionary ruling of the referee was. Elias was going for a DDT. Seth's the one who brought the chair in the ring. The fact that it backfired on him shouldn't cause me to DQ Elias. Um, so I, I give them some latitude on this. Jason, am I rationalizing, or, or do you think that's what they had in mind and, and it, it passes muster? Yeah, I think you've made a good rationalization there. Seth is the one that bought the chair in the ring, and it just so happened that Elias happened to DDT him on the chair. Yeah. Now, if now if Seth would have performed the move on Elias on the chair, you would think that would be a disqualification then? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, no question. So that, that's that's my take on that. And and when you say, do you think they're doing it because of New Japan? I can just blanket statement say no. <laughs> There's nothing WWE is doing because of New Japan. Because I don't think anybody in Vince's inner circle are uh, are taking notes on what New Japan is doing that they can incorporate into their product. And, you know, I, I mean, there's probably a, a producer or two who watch New Japan, and maybe they would work something into a match that they get inspired by, um, or some of the wrestlers might, but they're not going to go so far as to incorporate, you know, some a new philosophy regarding DQs or not DQing guys for moves um, because of what's happening in New Japan. I, I just don't think the, the water flows that way. Ryan, anything else for us? Well, my follow-up question would be, yeah. yeah, is that the first time that a uh, chair has been used as a finish in, like, a non-disqualification-type match? Because that really sticks out like, the first time I've seen that happen in a match. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was a creative finish, Jason. Um, you hmm. know, Seth, Seth had, had enough. Um, he, grab, he grabs a chair, and the fans are sort of with him on it because of everything that was going on um, with, with the shenanigans with, with Jinder Mahal and Elias and, and uh, uh, Sunil Singh. 
And so we finally just had enough and and grabbed a chair and was willing to uh, start using it. And it ended up backfiring on him. And it created, uh, you know, it was the the finish was designed primarily. What they did is they booked backwards from the finish they wanted. And it doesn't always work out well. That's what they did with this, you know, Bailey, Angle, Baron Corbin decision. They booked backwards, and they didn't come up with a really good path to the point they, they were dead set on getting to. And here I thought they had a better path. The path they wanted is we want the visual of Elias pinning Seth going into Money in the Bank. We want Elias to get a boost from getting a win on Seth, but we want every excuse to be there for why Seth lost. We don't want to make yeah. Seth look and weak. You, and you look at it, right? So last week Elias hit Seth sort of in the back of his neck. Yep. Then uh, Seth did the suicide dive, and they, he sold that he hurt his neck. And then it was Elias who gave him a DDT, once again involving the neck on the chest. Yeah. So they're going to be talking about Seth's neck. The other thing you have to remember is that Sunil Singh is the one who actually threatened Seth with the chair. So all Seth was doing was going back at him by taking the chair. So Seth is really justified in his actions here, but also they're telling the story about Seth's neck. So you know we saw multiple instances of that. Yep, great, great point all around. Because uh, it was Sunil who, who swung the chair at Seth, and Seth took it, and then just said, all right, I'm bringing it into the ring. So, good point. Uh, thanks, right. Good good point you brought up there. Let's go to uh, 251 next. Uh, 251, please state your name and where you're calling from. This is uh, from Alabama. Go ahead. What's on your mind today, Kenny? Yeah, um, the uh, question I have for you guys tonight was, since we've already seen Triple H and Kurt Angle in the ring at WrestleMania, I'm wondering what their the angle is going forward with the tension between Stephanie and Kurt. What do you think the payoff is that the hmm. uh, that they have in store for Angle and Stephanie having this uh, tension? That's a good question. Um, I haven't had a chance to kind of think it through, and we have a small sample size. It, it, this could be, hey, we want Corbin to get more TV time. We like his personality, and play, he seems good when he's playing off of somebody like Kurt Angle. Um, and Kurt Angle needs a foil, and we don't want to overexpose Stephanie on TV. So, boom, that's a whole point. It'll just be sort of a thing that gets weaved into the show. It could have ultimately a payoff for Baron Corbin at some point where it's like, oh, that's where it's leading to. It could also be that they're both vehicles to to do something regarding either Roman Reigns or Ronda Rousey, where um, Corbin is there to offset the do-gooder Kurt Angle, which ultimately gives an advantage to either a heel opponent of Roman Reigns or heel opponent of Ronda Rousey, because if you want to try to figure out why WWE is doing something, it, it is always good to look at it th- with a perspective, you know, through through the, uh, the the lens of how does this affect the top stars on the brand or the McMahons themselves. Uh, Jason, do you have any theories? I think it's a great question. My thing is is that I, I just don't like when Kurt Angle looks like a sap. And this whole thing about Stephanie consistently undercutting his decisions and whatnot, and just it's almost like she's trolling him in the background. <laughs> it just makes me uncomfortable. I hate seeing Kurt Angle like this. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, I really need this job. And, well, I guess, you know, since Stephanie said so, I have to go with it. It's just, I, I don't really like it, to be honest with you. I yeah. know they're trying to put heat on Steph and make Kurt Angle seem sympathetic, but it gets to the point where he just he comes across like a bit of a loser. Yeah, yeah. All right, we just had a couple callers drop off, so I wish you were able to stay with us, but I understand it was a long wait. So um, I I do want to uh, wrap up here because we've got to get to our email segment. I appreciate everybody who called into the show. Call us tomorrow night after SmackDown at uh, same place, uh, just one hour earlier. We'd love to, uh, if you're listening to us uh, after the fact by downloading the show, thank you for that, but we'd love to hear from you. So uh, give us a call after SmackDown tomorrow night or... uh, 
any week after Raw and SmackDown. If you didn't check it out yet again, just a plug to check out Jason Allen on Interview Friday on Podcast One, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. Those are the two shows late in the week that are part of the blue logo. It's a separate feed, so search Wade Keller to find that on Apple Podcasts, the Podcast One app, or other podcast apps on iPhone and Android. Or you can find the show at Podcast One. Just search Wade Keller to stream it. And uh, Jason from Australia and I will be back after this with emails and more discussion. There's actually quite a bit that we haven't really gotten to yet that I want to talk about. And uh, so stay tuned. All right, welcome back. Uh, during commercial break, Jason and I are talking about the, 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 the thing that I can't believe more people didn't bring up in email and that none of the callers brought up, which was the, the Ronda Rousey. During, during the Natalia-Nia Jax match, uh, Corey Graves said, Nia said that Ronda Rousey is ripe for the picking, to which Ronda said, ripe for the picking is something only my husband calls me. And then they cut to a break, and Cole said, we'll get more into that after this. And then they come back, and Corey Graves said, as I mentioned earlier, Nia says you're right for the picking. And then they showed Ronda on camera, and Ronda repeated her line, right for the picking is something only my husband calls me. And I, I, I at that moment, I thought, okay, I, I, I'm going a little crazy here. I swear, did I hit rewind on the DVR and not, you know, like, or, you know, did I hit rewind on my DVR and not notice? And, and now I'm repeating the, the match, and I, I got confused. And I had to go back and rewatch, and it really happened. Uh, I thought Ronda had a terrible night, by the way. I thought she was awful. Um, I thought that she was not the least bit likable. Whatever the opposite of charming is, that's what Rousey was. She came across as petulant, grouchy, gruff. Uh, the crowd was quiet, was quiet for the match. They didn't really have a stake in it. And if you're watching on TV... I just didn't quite. I just knew I was kind of rooting against Rousey by the by the end because she just was. I I just not charismatic, not charming. Uh, Jason, uh, both that weird <laughs> that weird thing she said both before. I wasn't that good of a line. Her body language when she said it was weird. When they showed it on camera the second time she said it, it was honestly one of the strangest thing I, things I've seen on WWE TV. Of all the things to like, oh, that didn't quite go right. We need to go back to it. It was like repeating a move when there's a botched move. Like, except <laughs> it wasn't botched. I don't know what to say. What, what's your take, Jason? I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, kind of hot at the same time, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I just found it to be pretty funny. My husband says I'm ripe. For, I mean, put uh, that on a T-shirt. Maybe yes. she should change the name from Rowdy Ronda Rousey to Ripe Ronda Rousey. I don't know. I just said <laughs> oh, I thought, it was, I thought yes. it was a pretty funny comment. But um, you're right with her performance. Um, Nia Jax came across more sympathetic to me. Yeah. You know, because she actually, she didn't do nothing wrong. I didn't know. Natalia hurt herself by sort of leaping over? Um, you know, and it was complete opposite to last week's performance by Nia Jax, where I thought Nia, Nia Jax last week, I have to say, that was my favourite performance of her in isolation because I thought she had a lot of swagger to her. She was very confident in the ring. She was taking apart this local competitor. Yep. I thought she'd come across very dislikable and arrogant. The only problem is, is that she was sort of, you know, um, it was in complete contradiction to the character that she was only playing like a week or so ago, which yeah. was against anti-bullies and everything. But now she was playing the bully. So in isolation, I loved the performance. It was just a complete disconnect for me. Now this week, she's going back to sort of being a more likable type of person showing concern for natalia she is natalia's friend she has every right to be there and ronda's like well haven't you done enough even though 
accidents do happen in the ring. So I find myself more sympathetic towards Nia this week compared to Ronda Rousey. Absolutely. I, I thought when backstage, because Natalia like popped her knee or twisted her knee in the match, bouncing into the ropes, and then Nia Jax gave her her finisher and won, which, you know, I'm sorry, but there's nothing. I, I don't remember in the rule book it says, well, there's your, your goal is to beat your opponent, twist and torque the leg, like Shayna Baszler, which she was doing to Dakota Kai last week on NXT, like twist her leg, stomp on it, it you know, and all that stuff. But it's not meant to injure the knee. Like, is that is that WWE's rule? Like, you can't, you're supposed to apologize if you take advantage of an injury, if it's, especially if it's accidental or, you know, kind of a fluke running into the ropes. I don't remember that ever being, making any sense. Like, if somebody hurts their knee by your doing or running the ropes or otherwise, you seize the opportunity and win. That that's how this works. So yeah, well, that, of course that's how it works because when when Oscar applies the arm bar, she's trying to break the arm. When Kurt Angle applies the ankle lock, he's trying to break the ankle. You apply moves to try and do maximum damage, and it's up to the person to submit or not. So of course, and, and and the WWE promote that. All the moves are meant to inflict damage. You know, even tonight after Finn Balor. Um, did the stomp on Kevin Owens, Corey Graves said, you know, Owens might have broken ribs, but that's just part and parcel of the game. And, and I think you could make the argument that, well, when they apply the ankle lock or the arm bar, they could snap the ankle or arm, but what they do is they immobilize the opponent, cause great pain. It's up to the opponent to tap out before they snap a bone. And you could say going right to snapping a bone would be unsportsmanlike. Even in MMA, you know, there's times that there's uh, an arm bar applied where the result is going to be snapping a bone if the opponent doesn't immediately. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We tap and the opponent will give them the courtesy of letting them know you can't go anywhere and I'm bending your arm in a way it's not supposed to go. You better tap if you want me to let go before I break it. And as we saw with Noguera once, you don't tap, you end up with a broken arm. Um, so... This was not that. <laughs> this was like, I, so my point in, in this is why did Naya go up to Natalia backstage and apologize? I didn't mean to hurt your knee. Well, first of all, you didn't hurt her knee. Natalia did when she ran into the ropes. Her boot, mm. you know, gave out. So why is she apologizing for something she had nothing to do with? All she did is give her a finishing move after Natalia got hurt doing her own move. So that's yeah. bad. And then Rousey says, haven't you done enough already? Well, I'm sorry, but she didn't do anything. Like, how are we supposed... If, if Ronda Rousey's a baby face here, Ronda's being this petulant toddler. Like, oh, haven't you done enough already? All she did is win her match. I mean, who's Ronda... Of all people, to say, oh, have mercy on your opponent, don't go for the win. Are you kidding me? Like, who's yeah. booking this crap? This is awful. And Ronda's terrible at this, but the booking is terrible. The material is terrible. And then Naya goes from apologizing for doing something she didn't do, that even if she did do it, she shouldn't have to apologize, to saying to Ronda, hey, we were having a match. You should know this isn't ballet. Bingo! That's what Naya should have said from the beginning. So this segment was all over the place. Ronda wasn't sympathetic at all. She was wrong. Naya apologized for something she didn't do that she took credit for doing. 
that she shouldn't have apologized for, even if she did it. And then she completely flipped and took the other stance, which is, who cares what I did? It's not ballet. It was a complete car wreck of an angle. Whoever wrote that should not be writing segments on national television for wrestlers because it did damage. It was a complete mess. And after what the way Nye acted last week, and now she's acting differently this week, this whole thing... Is it, it? I don't want to say it's a disaster, but it's 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 heading towards that. I thought when they did Nia against Ronda, they'd have a really clear way story that they were telling, and they would tell it well. And instead, you have Ronda. I mean, going back to Ronda commentary. I mean, I just want to underline it wasn't good. Michael Cole congratulated Ronda for being among a small handful of people whose first singles match is a televised championship match. Now, first of all, that's a very weird thing to congratulate somebody for. Congratulations for being gifted something that many people have to work long and hard for that you just got handed to you because you're star power. That's how some people might interpret it. So it's a Mm. bad thing for Cole to say. But then Rousey looked at him like he had just asked her about an affair with Monica Lewinsky 20 years ago. That's that's the look Ronda shot back, and, and then she, and then she mumbles, yeah, she didn't know what to say to that. Like I don't know, she forgot a line or she wasn't prepared for it. But she goes, yeah, you know, there's a a, a, a list of firsts uh, that I've had already up to this point, but since I'm not the first, this is already tried ground. And she just mumbled it. It was it was awkward. It got everything off to a shaky start. Um, and and Ronda came across like she did. I mean, when reporters ask her about her losing in MMA and quitting when she lost, she gives them this death stare. Like, how dare you ask me a question and do your job? And she gave Cole that look for this sort of clumsy, innocuous comment he made. I just, she shouldn't be on live television. Like, I mean, or I don't know. I mean, I really, I thought this was her worst week to date by far. And then there was that line and somebody emailed about this or tweeted about it. Um, uh, Otunga said, how do you feel pressure being moved to the front of the line ahead of women that even you admit are more deserving? Which, by the way, is a terrible way to build up a baby face. Yeah, how do you feel about being moved in front of the line and getting favorable treatment, even though you don't want it, but you accepted it? It's like, come on, this is terrible booking. And then Rhonda said, yeah, but pressure is what I'm used to. It brings out the best in me. Stop there. No, she didn't stop there. She goes, pressure is what builds up behind a bullet in a chamber of a gun. And I was like, why are we bringing up gunfire on Raw? And it's family-friendly. We're headed to Fox for all this big money. It's a kind of a small thing, but somebody brought that up on Twitter. It's just it's just not good judgment. And it goes to, I don't know if it was scripted for her or she just came up with it, but the whole thing was just strange. And then we had, after that, the right for the picking before the commercial break and the right for the picking right after the commercial break. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought this was rough. Yeah. I mean, look, to me, the whole feud has come at least eight to nine months too early. The way that Nia Jax was acting last week is something is the way that she should be acting once she's had about three to four successful title defenses under her belt. And we see the evolution of her character from overcoming Alexa Bliss, overcoming, you know, the bully. And then because she gets so confident in her wins, she actually becomes the bully again. The evolution of the Nia Jax character going back to being a heel. And now she thinks she's going to be so dominant and she gets overconfident taking on Ronda Rousey. That's how this story should have played out. I'm not sure why they I – mean, I know why they've gone to this match early because of these TV rights and they want to get probably the championship on Ronda Rousey or whatever. But um, this, could have, this story could have been told in a much more fluent and logical way. But we are where we are right now. But this week was definitely a step back. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Natalia plays a role in this type of feud. 
but yeah, like you said, Wade, it, it's sort of all over the place. And uh, you know, Ronda Rousey on commentary. I mean, if if Otunga asks that question, you know, um, look, you're getting to the front of the line. How do you feel about that? All Rousey had to say was, "Look, you're right. I have been pushed to the front of the line, but when I win that championship." I'm more than going to prove that I'm worthy as a champion and I will not back down from any challenger. So I will put my title on the line and I'll take it up to anyone. So you sort of turn it around as if to say, yes, okay, I might not have been deserving of the championship, but I will be a fighting champion and I will prove why I deserve to be champion. Not come up with some silly thing that's got to do with the pressure of the gun where a lot of people are like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of that, here's the email. Actually, it wasn't a tweet from Bradley from Liverpool. He says, uh, hey, wait, I just wanted to make a quick note about Ronda Rousey's comment while on commentary. An announcer made a comment about her facing pressure. She said she's good under pressure. Pressure is what you get in the chamber of a gun before it fires a bullet. I just think, why did she say that? There's no need to reference guns. What's wrong with, hey, I thrive under pressure. Pressure makes me rise to the occasion. Or I was under pressure when I won the Women's UFC Championship. I was under pressure when I won my first match at WrestleMania. And yes, I'm under pressure again going up against Nia. Why the obscure reference to firing a gun? Even me being in England, I'm well aware of the huge gun debates and repeated mass shootings and school shootings in the USA. I find it so strange to force this line in. I don't think wrestling should be political, but could it be a subtle nod to Trump and his NRA supporters? Thanks for all the great podcasts and the thoughtful outlook on wrestling. I, I would, I'm going to stop short of thinking it was some sort of nod to Trump or the NRA supporters or anything like that. No, no. Um, I think it was just a clumsy line. I think, I, think she, I think she was trying to say, like, I think she was trying to have a clever line, like a clever one-liner, as if to say, oh, okay. But um, I think the email is right. What, what, actually, a better line she could have said was, well, you know, I had my first match ever at WrestleMania, and you saw how I was under pressure. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, I take pressure like that. I, you know, I take pressure like that. And, you know, you're going to see how I'm going to handle the pressure against Nia Jax. Then people are going to start thinking, geez, well, she handled that pressure really well at WrestleMania. She's going to be doing very well against Nia Jax. She just could have left it like that. I, I agree. All right, uh, Patrick from Australia. Uh, always good to hear from Australia. All right. I always love the show. Yeah, it's a pretty, uh, pretty good country. Pretty good country. <laughs> all the way from Sydney. Uh, I, want, I just want to vent about WWE insulting my intelligence and memory once again. How is it within the rules for Bailey to insert herself into the tag match like she did, whilst less than two hours prior, Baron Corbin effectively did the same thing in the Kurt Hawkins match, which ended in a DQ finish? Wait a minute, as I'm typing this, Angle just disqualified Banks, Moon, and Bliss, and Bailey. Maybe we should be commending WWE for the post-match explanation of the result. Sometimes they actually do the right thing by their loyal and devoted fans. I just wish they would employ this logic and method of explanation more often. Love to hear your thoughts on the inconsistency. Thanks for all the content. No, WWE didn't fix it. I'm sorry. You don't fix a vase by slamming it for no reason to the ground and then gluing it together and handing it back to the owner. And that's what this angle was. It, was, it, it made absolutely no sense. Um, Alexa Bliss enters the match with Banks and Moon against the Riot Squad. She fakes a knee injury and leaves. But she wasn't injured before the match started. She was injured during the match. When you're in a match and you get injured, you don't get a replacement. That's never been a thing. So my biggest issue isn't with Kurt being a buffoon and authorizing Bailey to come to the ring, which, by the way, it would otherwise be the outrage of the week. My outrage of the show is the referee going, oh, here's Bailey. Okay, sure. <laughs> Wrestle. You're not in the match. Why would the referee decide that there was a... So, Angle's decision makes absolutely no sense without some sort of... any. Again, it's not that hard. Just have Angle discover that Bliss faked the injury and have video proof. And then Angle goes, I'm not going to let this injustice stand. That's not fair. You know, like, just be more overt about it. But the, 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 nobody 
presented anything close to that. And then the referee to just go along with it made no sense. It was just it was just WWE at its most stupid with two O's in the middle. It was back to just stupid booking. Uh, and and it made no sense, and it was inconsistent. The, you know, Corbin interfering and getting DQ'd, I don't think is super analogous, but it just goes to the point that there should be consistency. We talked about the chair earlier. You know, I think they have a rationalization for that that they can sneak by on, that I can, you know, uh, allow with creative license, but not this, not this at all. Mm. Yeah, I think their attitude is, well, because the crowd, and we all know that Alexa Bliss is a heel and that she's faking an injury, well, that's, that's okay then because when Bailey comes into the ring, well, you know, because we know Alexa Bliss is a heel and a bad person, that's okay. Bailey can come in and she can take her spot because Alexa Bliss should never been there in the first place. Bailey comes in, and this is the story we're trying to tell, and, you know, facts and logic be damned. Let's uh, go to another email on this topic. Tim says, I know rule enforcement has always been inconsistent in WWE, but man, this week was a doozy. First off, how was Elias not disqualified for DDTing Rollins on the chair right in front of the ref? If that's a finish, fine, just have a distraction of the referee. Uh, that's fair. That might have been better. And Bailey just inserting herself into the six-woman tag. Why would the referee allow that? Also, Baron Corbin is a heel for calling out that ridiculousness. I know he was a dick about it, but couldn't he have been, he couldn't have been more right, and Kurt Angle comes off looking biased and emasculated at the same time for initially agreeing with the ref's decision before being backed down by Corbin via Stephanie. So, um, yeah, I mean, get emails on that, and, and, and rightfully so. Um, okay, next. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's my biggest issue, is Kurt Angle being emasculated like that. Everything else, I mean, yeah, that's annoying, but Kurt Angle, to me, consistently being emasculated and just putting his head down, oh, okay, that's my biggest issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he reads a letter that Corbin produced from Stephanie, and he's like, oh, shoot. And, and like, there's just no, yeah, there's just no sense of authority or pride for him. And he started to have that. The last couple months, He start, his character started to recover. And I just don't get why he can't look at Baron Corbin and say, I made that decision because I didn't believe for a second Alexa Bliss was really hurt. And I'm not going to stand for that. It's not fair for Sasha and Moon to be at a disadvantage. And uh, Bailey volunteered her services. And I said, yes, I'm changing this match. That's, w that's within the, 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 the rules. And I I'm allowed to, to make that decision. And then Baron Corbin can go, yeah, but I've been empowered now with the ability to overrule that. Or, you know, whatever. I mean, just, just tell better yeah. stories. Just tell better stories. All right. Yeah. Uh, um, Christopher H. from Las Vegas says, Stanley Cup talk aside, because it's rough right now, what in the world are they doing with Bobby Lashley? It seems like segments by the week get progressively worse, and now it's making me question what the entire end goal of this is. To get him over? He and Sammy are both incredible performers that have been infamously messed up by poor segments. What else? What do you make of this? What do you see as the end goal? Go Knights, go, please. And also, go VIP. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, tough, tough time for uh, for the Knights right now, but it's if they're going to win the cup, it might as well be after being down three to one, um, going into uh, going into Washington. So we'll see uh, we'll see how that all all plays out. Um, but as far as and yes, go VIP. Uh, but as far as the, uh, the 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 Lashley thing, I mean, I think the end goal is Lashley beats up Sammy, and the fan, and the idea is the fans will delight in seeing that happen. I mean, that's the end goal, right? Yeah, I don't know if that will be the end goal because Sami Zayn to me has come across incredibly entertaining. You yeah. know? And I think a lot of people pick up on that. 
Um, but yeah, the whole idea is to make Sami Zayn to be this unbearable heel who's just very, very dislikable, and the good, honorable man that is Bobby Lashley will finally beat him up. That is how it reads on paper. Whether it plays out that way is a different story. Yeah. All right, we got somebody watching the show on delay, um, and he said, I'm way behind and just started the tag team battle royal now. Did they tip their hand with a slight change from the normal one? With one member of the team is out, a good excuse to have Dolph getting eliminated while keeping Drew strong without them winning. Um, yeah, I mean, when you have one yeah. one guy being eliminated and both guys are out, that that is a way to protect the stronger member of the team who they're more intent on protecting. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to have Drew and Dolph in that match, then you definitely do the one where one is eliminated because you don't want Drew McIntyre being eliminated or showing you know any any signs of weakness at this point in time. Uh, Kyle from St. Louis. The build-up for the men's Money in the Bank match so far has been pretty great. Last week's Raw left me with the feeling that Kevin Owen was a sure thing. This week, Finn comes out on top looking strong. Braun has been dubbed the monster in the bank. With two weeks left, I'm sure we'll see uh, Robert come out looking glorious. Out of the competitors on Raw, I think a strong case can be made for anyone. Hey, we did that earlier. Personally, I think Rude would benefit the most from winning the case. For a large part of his career, Bobby's gimmick has revolved around money. Between it pays to be rude, oh, groan, cue the groan, to uh, beer money, to his first promos in NXT. Putting the case on Bobby, I think, would bring out his best attributes. But with all that being said, what good is having a briefcase if there's not a champion to turn it on? Uh, without the Universal Championship being on TV, the Money in the Bank contract would just feel more like an accessory and less like a workable gimmick. So all in all, I think the winner will surely be someone from SmackDown. Hopefully it's a member of the New Day. I'd like to see the briefcase used under the Freebird rules. It's been an entertaining story for the New Day that would allow them to showcase themselves in singles competition while also putting them uh, out of the tag division for a while. And maybe we could see a re-release of Bootios with Briefcase Marshmallows. Your thoughts go VIP. I am uh, against Freebird rules in general. I think it's sort of like a mockery of things that, hey, we got three people and any two can wrestle. I I mean, I know they do it, and I've given up that fight, but um, I think having three people with a briefcase and having WWE not along um, is is stretching it too far, Jason. I think so, too. Although, you know, they allowed it with the tag titles, and then they teased it that if Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens were to beat AJ Styles in that two-on-one match at the Rumble, that they could both wear the championships. So, you know, who knows? Um, I I think Rude is the guy who has the most to gain that. I mean, you know, you can make the case for New Day. What's that? But no one believes, right? I mean, if Bobby Rude wins the briefcase, nobody believes that he's going to cash it in and defeat Brock Lesnar. And I actually don't believe anyone believes that he would be the universal champion. He's just not in that position right now. So if I'm going to give the briefcase to someone, I want it to be someone who I believe has a legitimate chance of actually holding the championship. And Bobby Rude, in the Bobby, you know, to be honest with you, Bobby Rude and Rusev. Uh, and maybe, you know, one of the new, guy, new Day guys are three guys who I believe probably are not world title contenders at this point in time the way they booked. Yeah. No, so I, I, want, I, I, want, I want someone who's got a realistic chance. I, I think those are great points. And that's where you make the case for Braun, Balor, Samoa Joe, Rusev. Can you, can, can you make that point no. about Rusev? I would love to. I would more than love to. But I can't. Yeah. Although I still believe him and Lana holding the briefcase would be probably <laughs> yeah, well, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it would be cool, but I, I can't see Rusev being the champion at this point in time. But you can see Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, Braun Strowman, and Samoa Joe, and maybe yes. Miz. Those are the strongest 
hundreds. Yeah. yeah, I can see them. I can I can see the Miz holding the holding the briefcase for quite a while, and then you know depending on what happens with AJ and Shinsuke, perhaps cashing in on AJ or. You know, he, he gets into his feud with Daniel Bryan and, you know, goes down to Daniel Bryan in that feud ultimately, but still has the briefcase. I mean, there's certain scenarios that I can play out. And, and I wonder, too, if Money in the Bank, you win it, you can cash in on either champion at pay-per-views where both brands are present. I think they have already stipulated it's on your respective brand. So if Balor okay. wins, he can't cash in on SmackDown. I'm pretty sure they've made that quite clear. Now, if they change their mind, I would love that because I think that makes it more exciting, definitely. What, what are the odds of WWE arbitrarily changing their mind on something like that? Oh, I think it's an odds-on that they would do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, I agree. All right, let's see if I uh, worked my way. Oh, uh, David Otonga, uh, Ted from Sacramento, VIP member says, I was hoping you'd share your thoughts on David Otonga. While I would have liked for him to talk more, I really liked his strong babyface persona, including his opposing views to Corey Graves. It was a great upgrade from Booker T and Coach. Thanks, as always, and everyone who hasn't made the jump should definitely go VIP. Thank you, Ted. I appreciate the endorsement. I agree with it. Um, (laughs) Jason, uh, I I thought David Otonga was good. I, I thought he didn't stand out um, at times for long stretches, and that's better than getting in the way or stepping on things. But when he did stand out, I thought he was good. Uh, And he's what's needed in that third chair, which is an intelligent pushback against Corey Graves and his rationalizations. Now, he was off to a bad start because he did start color commentary very early on in the opening match going, I don't think people give Roman enough credit. And I just... My palm went to my forehead. I'm like, no, we don't need more of that. Uh, but then he got, then things certainly improved, and he was giving Corey Graves our time for making excuses for Sunil. And uh, when um, Seth, uh, when Graves said that Jinder and Elias have outclassed the two former members of the Shield mid match, Otunga said, "Oh yeah, that was real classy when Sunil Singh got involved." And Graves said, "Whatever works," you know, kind of like. You know, that's what a heel should say. But I, I like that Otunga stood up for it and said, no, no, you don't get to use the word classy with these heels. And too often, that's, that pushback isn't there. Otunga's a smart alpha. Elf, he's a smart guy and he's an alpha. He's not funny. He doesn't try to be. He's not trying to put himself over as the sage of all sports knowledge. And he's not a schmuck like Byron who's a punching bag for jokes. He's, he's an alpha, intelligent guy who stands for something. And I, I like that role. And I think he's solid at it. And sometimes I feel like I'm on an island defending him, but I, I like my logic in wrestling, and I think the goal of arrest of color of announcers isn't to put themselves over or bicker; it's to get over storylines. And I think Otunga serves the storylines consistently better when he's on color than uh, than Byron and Booker and Coach have. I think Coach and especially Byron have had their moments doing that, but Otunga is consistent and I think he's, uh, for a three-man booth he doesn't get in the way and step on things. So that's my take. Jason, I'm curious for you. Yeah, no, I agree. I think my only opinion on Otunga really is that he's very solid. You know, you don't really notice him that much, so he doesn't say anything ultra-offensive or annoying. He's just a, a pretty solid commentator. With Coachman, I believe that he was covering a golf tournament. So on the Golf Channel, he's working the Golf Channel, so obviously that was something that you know he had committed to before, so that's what he was up to. Yeah. All right. Well, well, back to coach next week. But maybe Otunga set a good example then. Mm. Yeah, we can hope. Um, uh, Jason, was there anything else from Raw you wanted to bring up? Um, well, just <laughs> just with Bailey and Sasha, you know, I thought <laughs> finally, all right, we're going to end this thing. Just hug it out, whatever. Get it over and done with your friends now. But no, that wouldn't hug because 
Kurt Angle said, no, you haven't won the match. So then Sasha sort of got upset at Bailey for that, even though it's not really Bailey's fault. I don't know. It's just they're okay. still lingering on with this. I mean, they are trolling us. This is the storyline that will never end. And I'm glad you brought that up because they Sasha, if if Sasha's a heel, okay, then maybe you can make a case for her acting that way. But Ember Moon is not a heel, and Ember and Sasha were both happy with what Bailey did. Yeah. And then when Angle said they actually got DQ'd, they they got disgusted with Bailey and left. Like the <laughs> heat, the heat should be on them for endorsing Bailey. In the first place, not... I mean, Bailey didn't do anything different because Kurt Angle had to change the match to a DQ. So it just... It, it made no sense. Like, baby faces should come across as, like, honorable, consistent people, not people who are... Not even arbitrarily, but unfairly are turning on Bailey, whose heart was completely in the right place. She's mm-hmm. like, you're, you're at a disadvantage. I'm going to come out and help, and I helped you win the match. And it seemed to work. How do you have heat on Bailey after? I mean, like, it's not like they're like, well, Bailey, yeah, we got the win, but I'm not sure it's going to hold up, and you really should mind your own business. They didn't say that from the start. They're like, yay, thanks, Bailey. It just it made them look like idiots. And this show was had idiotic moments throughout, and it was, I thought, the, the worst of – it was WWE at its worst when it comes to – uh, logic, uh, 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 like I said, other than maybe David Otonga pushing back against Corey Graves and and booking Roman Reigns pretty sensibly, um, there was a lot that did not make sense, doesn't hold up to the least bit of scrutiny, and it's it's uh, WWE when they're sloppy. So who ultimately wins between Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey? Do you put the championship on Ronda? I think you can go either way. I mean, I think there's ways out of this where you save that for later, but I also think there's there is something to be said for just putting getting the belt on Rousey as soon as possible and building the the the, the division and the brand around her um I, I think the booking has been so terrible with Rousey and Jax and I, I I was I liked last week's so I defended it against uh some pushback by VIP staffers <laughs> uh in podcasts no, I really liked it too I liked I liked nice performance that yeah. was the best performance I've seen her give in isolation. Yeah. I didn't like that there was a complete disconnect from her character. It's almost like she switched characters overnight. But I really liked the way she played it out. Like I said, if she was putting in this performance seven, eight months down the track after having a few um, successful title defenses yep. and has sort of evolved into being more of a bully and overconfident, it would, it would be even better. But I like what I saw from Jax there last week. Yeah. I did too, and I thought that her performance was good. I thought the booking. I, to me, I'm less. I'm more down. I'm I'm down on the segment from last week only because the follow up this week was so inconsistent and bad that I felt feel like in retrospect I was probably giving more credit than I should have to things that I maybe read too much into last week that more were more an accident or happenstance than part of some master plan. Um, and so yeah, I just I just thought the booking of. Of the women this week was so bad, <laughs> from Ron and what, to Naya to Sasha and Bailey and Ember, yeah. And what, so what's happening with Brock Lesnar? He's obviously not going to be on this pay per view. Um, you know, who's his next title defense against? I mean, uh, we, now relating to Seth Rollins, you know, a lot of people are talking about Seth's step up and um, challenge Brock Lesnar. Do you think Elias does defeat Seth Rollins for the IC title? Do you think Elias needs this win? I wouldn't take the belt off of Seth unless it's part of a larger plan to move Seth into the world title picture and have him take on Brock, but without the IC title. And I would do that. I mean, I I, I think 
with Lesnar's schedule, he should be a special attraction without the championship. And I think there's a way you can make that work. Um, I think having the, the Universal title tied up on someone who isn't going to do many TVs at all and and wrestle infrequently, it just doesn't make sense. So I think it's fine symbolically to have Brock Lesnar as your champion going into TV negotiations and, and to resign him and, and utilize him. But I, I think at some point you want that top championship on Raw to be defended at house shows and to be defended on all, on each of the monthly pay-per-views or just about all of them. Uh, and, and I, so yeah, I think if Seth loses the IC title, they'll do it in a way that doesn't hurt Seth. And then they can move Seth to a SummerSlam match against Brock or you have Seth retain it, um, which, you know, could go either way. I mean, again, I, I don't think there's only one way it works. It's just the follow-up and the context has to make sense. Yeah, see, for me, I would love Seth Rollins as the Intercontinental Champion to challenge Brock Lesnar for the Universal title. So you have a champion versus champion scenario. And, you know, you have because you've had Seth Rollins talk about that his championship has been the one that's been defended the most. So you have a natural storyline there. My only concern is for Elias is that he's unsuccessful in winning the IC title. To me, he sort of slips down a little bit because he's not backing up his words with actions and he's, he's not being successful. So I almost feel like they're in a catch 22 here. I feel like, you know, Elias with the IC title, with the guitar, with his act, it's a nice compliment and it works well together. But at the same time, I like Seth Rollins as the intercontinental champion, the true champion on raw taking on the universal champion, Brock Lesnar. I think that's a great selling point. So which one do you prioritize? Which one do you prioritize there? You know, I, I, I'm not trying to hedge here, but I think it can work either way. I do like the idea of Seth being an IC champ who hasn't lost, and he goes in against Brock really strong. And the idea is I'm the defending mm-hmm. champion, and you have Seth retained. So, I mean, you've kind of talked me into leaning that way. I think there's still a way to get the belt off of him and not have to do a tournament or, you know, vacate the IC title or, or merge them or whatever the options would be if Seth were to beat Brock. I, I think in the end, Seth beating Brock will mean something a lot and, and can launch Seth to that next level if they're willing to launch Seth to that next level, at which would come to a degree at the expense of Roman Reigns. Because if Seth is Universal Champion yep. and beats Brock on Raw, Seth leapfrogs over Reigns as the top star. That could be the mm-hmm. absolute best thing for anybody who has has bet that Roman Reigns will be cheered in the year 2019 consistently. The best thing to happen would be for Seth Rollins to beat Brock and be the champion and take the heat off of Roman, being the guy that everyone is just waiting to, 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 to check into the game as the centerpiece attraction and and, and Bigfoot others who, who fans like more. So for all kinds of reasons, just get there. But yeah, if Seth is a strong defending IC champ saying, my belt's more prestigious, but the fact is, is I want yours too. And they can tell that story and Seth wins. Seth is stronger if he, if he's wins universal title and then relinquishes the IC. Yeah. And that's, that's ultimately how I'd like to see it play out. It's just whether you value Elias as a top tier player in the future, because, you know, I'm, um, I like Elias, but I don't know if I'm sold on him as a real main eventer. just, think with this gimmick it has a shelf life and he's he can he needs to continue to show that vicious side to him where are you on elias ultimately i, I like him I, I think he's i think he's doing well i i, I wish he would as part of my this is more of a weekly irritant but stop as a heel making the crowds look like they don't actually they don't actually have a genuine dislike for you because part of i mean the crowd is a prop for a tv for this tv product the crowd is a prop 
So when the crowd is chanting, walk with Elias, yay, listen to us, we just cheered along with this guy and chanted along at, on cue, and then he insults them, it makes them look like saps and suckers, and or, or even worse, oh, they don't really have an emotional investment. They're just playing along for fun. And mm. I think the TV show is better when it seems to the viewer that there is a genuine dislike of Elias. So why would you give him the satisfaction of saying WWE stands for walk with Elias? So since crowds do it because it's too tempting, it's you can't they can't they don't have the the self-control to bypass the moment of shouting walk with Elias in order to, you know, consistently boo him, then WWE should take the initiative to stop having him say that so that he can be a true heel, and the fans don't look like they're not taking anything seriously. And WWE doesn't really worry about that, because sometimes they don't take themselves very seriously, but when you try to draw money and try to get people emotionally invested in feuds, which, by the way, they all are in the business of doing, and that is where most of their money comes from, you shouldn't do things to undercut it. And encouraging week after week fans looking like they don't take anything about Elias seriously because they're willing to endorse him with that chant... I think it's bad for business, and I think they should move away from it. So that said, I think Elias, as an act, is really good. I think he carries himself as a uh, – he, he comes across as a star. He comes across as tough. Um, he's not great in the ring, but he's absolutely good enough in the ring to be against guy, a, a guy at Seth's level. I think a match against Seth is a test for him to see what level can he raise himself to. And I think it will be uh, somewhat determinant of his future how he does. And that's why I think they're going to play into, you know, I can see the match, Elias cutting him off and being slow and methodical, you know, targeting the neck. So I can see that's the story they're going to tell. And um, I'm looking forward to the match because, like you said, I'm looking forward to seeing how Elias keeps up with Seth and and the story that they're going to tell. Ultimately, I mean, I know this show was a bit all over the place, but I am looking forward to Money in the Bank. I mean, it's it's the second pay-per-view of this whole, like, sort of joint um, pay-per-view era that we're now in where Raw and SmackDown are on the same show and I think there's a lot to look forward to so um, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of it. I, I totally agree Jason, always great to have you on the show thank you uh, yeah. for your time tonight, good conversation Appreciate it Wade, thanks a lot thanks to the listeners too and um, if you want to hit me up on uh, Twitter, you can talk about WWE or whatever you like uh, my Twitter address is at uh, JasonD318 JasonD318 follow him people Thank you, Jason. Thanks, Wade. You can follow me on social media at the Wade Keller on Twitter, and follow our brand on Twitter at PW Torch, and also on Facebook you can friend me at Wade Keller Torch. That's Facebook.com/slash Wade Keller Torch, and then on Facebook you can like our brand, which is Facebook.com/slash PW Torch. As always, you can email this show with your questions and comments and feedback, or volunteering to be an on-site correspondent just email wade keller podcast at pwtorch.com don't forget to rate and review our show in apple podcasts and stitcher and spread the word if you enjoy our program we still got more to come on today's show though because as a bonus section we're going back to a vip exclusive wade keller hotline from five years ago this week this was uh, my coverage my rundown and analysis of the june 3rd 2013 edition of Monday Night Raw. It's kind of fun to go back in the time machine five years and hear what was going on. I've run down Raw start to finish, the whole show, and also what my take was. And the headline on this show, when this Wade Keller Hotline was originally published five years ago, was full rundown and analysis of Strong Show, including Daniel Bryan with another breakout week in two strong matches, Curtis Axel 
against John Cena when he was getting the push as Paul Heyman's guy. Uh, also, Vince McMahon and Stephanie McMahon, Ryback, Tables, and more. So stay tuned because that's coming up right after this, a half hour of raw analysis from five years ago this week. This is also a sample of what the Wade Keller Hotline is like for VIP members currently. I record a full rundown of Raw, just like this hotline from five years ago, talking about things we don't talk about on the Wade Keller Processing Podcast and just catching up on what happened on Raw. I know not all of you have time to watch all three hours of Raw. You can read my report online. You can read Zach Haydorn's great report and analysis on PWTorch.com also every Monday night or Tuesday morning. But you can also listen to me run down Raw start to finish every morning or on Monday nights if you don't have time to watch the show or you just want to hear my thoughts on everything start to finish. That is one of the VIP exclusive features that comes with the VIP membership. Check out more details on VIP benefits at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. All the information you need to know about VIP membership is on that page, along with a link to the sign-up form. Rates are as low as $8.25 a month. You'll get more out of your PW Torch VIP membership than any other monthly subscription service you're part of. I am confident in saying that if you are someone who enjoys this program. So give it a try and support a small business like ours, bringing you independent-minded coverage of professional wrestling. And uh, we've got 30-plus years of experience and 30-plus years of, pay- of people paying for what we provide in terms of wrestling coverage. So find out why at the next level with a VIP membership at pwtorchvipinfo.com. This is pwtorch.com editor Wade Keller with the Wade Keller Hotline for Monday, June 3rd, 2013. Thanks once again for your support and for joining me here today. Let's talk about tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw. And uh, we will begin with the beginning of the show. Um, they uh, did a little video recap of some things from last week, focused on John Cena and Ryback, and also uh, Triple H returning this week to face Curtis Axel in a rematch main event. And uh, Justin Roberts then introduced Stephanie McMahon in a uh, surprise appearance from her. She walked out to the ring. Michael Cole said it had been about a year since Stephanie has been on Raw. She said it felt great to be back on Raw, but she said she wished it was under better circumstances. She explained that Triple H, her husband, was not medically cleared to wrestle tonight. The crowd turned on Stephanie at that point and began booing her. Uh, She said she made the decision as an executive, as a wife, and as a mother. The boos intensified. She said that Axel is beneath Hunter and not worthy of risking his health. When the crowd kept booing, she told them not to be so selfish, which... At this point, I have no idea where this is going, but it's hilarious that Stephanie is telling the fans of WWE not to be so selfish. Uh, Vince McMahon's music interrupted. He smiled and hugged Stephanie and acknowledged the crowd. Instead of saving the day, though, he asked for a rare personal request. He said, please refrain from booing my daughter, which was also very funny. Uh, The crowd booed, totally playing into this. You know, just they're all too happy to play into it. And uh, they were not—they were booing him because he wasn't on their side and wasn't going to give them the match they wanted. Uh, he said that Triple H has given everything possible. The crowd chanted Triple H. And then and maybe the highlight of the show, Stephanie said, and this well, I shouldn't say that. There were good, better things on the show. But it was one of, my, one of my personal favorite moments. She looked at the crowd and said, I love him more than you do. So the crowd's chanting Triple H, Triple H, Triple H. And she just looks and says, well, yeah, you just want to see a match, but... Like, I, wanna, I want my husband to be healthy, and I want the father of my children to be, to be there for them. I mean, it was, so, it was so, like, funny because it's very true. You know, I mean, there's a lot more at stake for her than the crowd, and she delivered the line really well. 
Uh, Vince backed her up and said that he and his daughter care more about Triple H than the fans do. He said that he is the father of Stephanie's children and his grandchildren, and he reaffirmed that Triple H would not be allowed to fight tonight. Vince McMahon teased leaving the ring, but then he stopped and asked the fans, what, did you, what do you want? And they chanted Triple H. Vince said WWE is family entertainment, not blood sport. He said when Kofi Kingston was put through a table on SmackDown last night, they chanted one more time. The crowd then chanted one more time. Vince said, no, it's not one more time for Triple H tonight. He said his daughter was right that Axel is beneath Triple H. And then the music for The Shield interrupted, and they headed toward the ring. As Steph and Vince looked intimidated, and as The Shield made their way toward the ring, they cut to a break without resolution. Um, kind of a, you know, a, weir- a, a weird in- but interesting segment, um, playing the whole reverse psychology of we're not going to give you something that you want, so you're going to want it even more, um, which was certainly fine. And, uh, um, and, and I'm not quite sure about Vince and Steph saying that Axel was beneath Triple H. Like I, they probably could have gotten away with not saying that, but maybe that's leading somewhere. I hope it is. Um, you know, Vince has been all over the place as a character, too. Um, you know, whether he's playing for cheers or booze, and this kind of further muddies the situation. Um, although, you know, he wasn't being a heel. He was just defending or, you know, trying to keep his son-in-law safe. Um, so anyway, I, I'm not quite sure what inspired this segment. I, I kind of wonder if maybe Dolph Ziggler's mom called WWE headquarters and said that she loves her son more than the fans love him. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, it, it seems like that maybe was inspired by something in their week. All right, so back from the break. Vince and Steph were gone, and the Shield were in the ring, and Cole said the McMahons returned to the back without incident during the break. I was waiting for a plug from the app there saying, if you had downloaded the app, you could have seen what happened with the Shield and the McMahons. See, what they have to do is stop telling people what's on the app, because what's on the app sucks. What they need to do is tell people that something just spectacular was on the app and they missed out on it, and so people, like, it's left to their imagination. That, that's kind of what I'm thinking they should do. I think, if, I think the best way to sell the app is to not actually tell people what's on it because, like I said, what's on it is not particularly compelling. Uh, Randy Orton's ring entrance took place, and then The Shield took on Randy Orton, Kane, and Daniel Bryan. Cole noted that the McMahon family were trending on Twitter, he said that uh, he wants to hear from Triple H. Uh, he wants to hear how Triple H feels uh, about what, they, about what uh, his wife and father-in-law said. They showed uh, tons of funk watching the match on the app. See what I mean? And uh, Cole noted that the Shield has never lost a six-man tag match. Referee Michael Chioda gave a 30-second cue to the wrestlers. He said, 30 seconds, kind of in Roman Reigns' direction. And 30 seconds later, they cut to a break. Lawler said the WWE Universe thinks Triple H should wrestle Axel tonight. Orton got a hot tag after the break and gave Ambrose and Rollins a cool double DDT. The crowd popped huge for that one. Orton played it well. Orton seems a little more inspired lately. Orton set up an RKO, but Reigns distracted Orton. Rollins then kicked Orton from behind, and the Shield took over on Orton for a few minutes. They showed a cool angle over a camera angle over Daniel Bryan's shoulder as he reached for the tag. Um, it's it's neat, uh, good, cool choice of, uh, from a production standpoint. Um, Orton started to show signs of life, and that's when the, when the camera kind of looked over Brian's shoulders. It kind of puts you in Daniel Bryan's place in a way that you just didn't see. World-class championship wrestling back in the uh, early to mid-1980s uh, was the first wrestling show I know of that had cameras on the ring apron filming the match on the ring apron rather than having the camera back just kind of filming the ring from a distance. And it, it was one of the selling points World Class used to syndicate their show and, uh, and, and get it syndicated nationally and try to make some money off of national ads and 
this was uh, a reminder of that. Um, Orton hot t- did end up hot-tagging Daniel Bryan, and he, Daniel Bryan got a big pop once again. Crowd was totally into his flurry of offense uh, as he went after, after Ambrose. Bryan showed great fire as he kicked away at Ambrose, and the crowd yelled, yes, 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 with each kick. Bryan gave Rollins a Hurricane Rana off the top rope into Ambrose, which led the crowd uh, to just erupt. Then he drove through the ropes and speared Reigns. Cole yelled, Daniel Bryan, all over the place. Bryan gave Ambrose a missile dropkick for a near fall. He followed up with his submission lock, but the shield saved Ambrose. When Kane entered, Rollins speared him. Orton gave Rollins an RKO as he lipped off to Kane at ringside. During the chaos, though, Reigns shoved Orton into Bryan. Ambrose then gave Bryan a Ford Spike DDT faceplant for the win. So the Shield win this one in 17 minutes, but it's the latest in a series of great matches with these six wrestlers. Once again, the crowd absolutely devoured the match, exactly as you would script it if you were just saying, how, what's the best reaction you could possibly script for a crowd? I mean, this was it. Um, they really, really liked it. They uh, put it after the commercial, they said, uh, WWE Fact Time, did you know that last, last Friday SmackDown was the most socially active show on all of cable or broadcast TV? Then they oddly listed some networks. Um, you know, specifically, even though you would think just by saying they were you know, better than all, the most socially active show of all shows, you wouldn't really need to say the other networks, but they do anyway. Orton yelled at Brian that he already said he was sorry and anything can happen against the Shield. He said they should just drop it. Brian didn't like that and said that wasn't much of an apology. He said Orton, just like Kane, thinks he's the weak link. He yelled that everyone thinks it's his fault, that he is... Uh, um, that he's losing, and uh, he said that they don't respect him. Kane said, we do respect you, and you've lost touch with reality. Brian insisted again that he is not the weak link. He said it's clear that they don't respect him, so he's got to find a different way um, to, uh, to earn respect. And he said there's one match he can think of that can get him there. All right, Triple H arrived at the building and asked a worker where Vince's office was. He walked in with determination to the office and just barged right in. He uh, hugged and kissed Stephanie, his wife, and then asked what was going on. He said he's wrestling tonight against Axel. Steph said, no, you're not. She said that she was scared when he collapsed at ringside. She said, you have no idea what we went through, explaining that she had to talk to Hunter's family that night, and they were all worried about him. Vince stepped up and said that the cerebral assassin wasn't being particularly cerebral at this point. He told him to put his ego out of the way for a moment. Triple H said he is wrestling Axel, and Vince said, no, you're not. And Hunter said, who's going to stop me? Vince told him, um or, you know, uh, Hunter said he was going to stop me, and uh, Vince just kind of stepped up and, and uh, uh, told him not to do something that he would regret, and then he walked away. Steph closed the door and had a private talk with her husband at that point. Actually, when, uh, Hunter, said, or when uh, Hunter said, who's going to stop me, Vince should have said, I have control of every wrestler on this roster. I have their fate in my hands, and uh, they will all walk to the ring to stop you from entering the ring. But he didn't need to do that because Stephanie, I think, created a, a bargain behind the scenes that uh, Hunter couldn't refuse. The Usos danced on stage, sporting some yellow face paint. Cole teased that they'd explain what the face paint means after the break. I thought he was going to say on the app. Uh, they came back from the break, and the Usos took on the primetime players. This was in progress after the break. Jerry Lawler, JBL, and uh, uh, Cole talked about the Hunter Steph Vince drama that just took place. Uso, one of the Usos took a nice bump onto a, uh, on a Titus O'Neil boot to the face. Cole then said that the face paint is supposed to give them an advantage in fights reminiscent of their ancestors. That scoop was first given to viewers on the app earlier, said Cole. Uh, Cole, by the way, at this just kind of randomly in the match, said, I've never had a physique where my stomach has fit into my waist. 
I don't even know what that means. JBL said, uh, said to Cole, or said about Cole, if he had a different head and a different body, he'd be a lot better. The announcers amused themselves for a while, including JBL referencing Vern Gagne stiffing wrestlers on Super Clash 3 payoffs. At the four-minute mark, uh, chaos broke out, and Darren ran into a super kick and then got splashed from the top rope for the pin. Cole said the Usos are making a statement that they're in line for a take title shot. So boo to the primetime players losing here. Uh, but it looks like they're trying to give the Usos a little little boost. They showed uh, Biggie Langston and AJ backstage um, in the hallway, and then they showed Alberto Del Rio and Ricardo elsewhere. Um, and then they went to a break. A segment then aired after the break on the WWE partnership with the Special Olympics. Then Ricardo introduced Del Rio, and they played a clip of tension between Big E and AJ. And then uh, match time, Alberto Del Rio against Big E. Cole noted, by the way, that Dolph Ziggler was at home recovering from his concussion. He said an, an interview with Ziggler is available on the app. The announcers drifted to recapping the Vince Steph Triple H drama all over again. And then they cut to a clip of Zeb Coulter talking exclusively on the app. Late in the match, Del Rio applied a cross arm breaker. Langston held on without tapping out, so Del Rio simply rolled him onto his shoulders and uh, got a leverage three count while he was still in the arm lock. So that was a, uh, a clever finish to keep Big E from having to, having to actually uh, tap out, because I guess there's more shame in that than getting pinned. And it gave Del Rio a 3-2 to two advantage in their best of five series so far. Then they showed Sheamus backstage in the hallway. He was smiling, believe it or not. Uh, then a clip aired from the segment on SmackDown where Damian Sandow tried to humiliate Sheamus with magic. But Sheamus gave him a bro kick. Sheamus' ring entrance then aired. Then Cody Rhodes' ring entrance took place. And then they showed Sandow at ringside, and he joined the announcers. He plugged uh, JBL's wife's new book, Fate of the States. Seriously, that was what he plugged. Sheamus then took on Cody Rhodes. Cody got in some early offense as the announcers sparred with Sandow, who claimed he was not cheating. He was doing magic. I guess magic is kind of cheating in a way. Um, Anyway, Sheamus came back and shoulder-tackled Cody off the top rope. Then came a bro-kick attempt, but Cody ducked, and then he gave Sheamus a neckbreaker for a quick two-count. They went back and forth. Cody missed a moonsault. Sheamus gave Cody the white noise and a bro-kick and got the three-count. Sandow sneered at ringside. Afterwards, Sheamus gloated in Sandow's face. Sandow stood up and asked what he wanted. He told him to leave. No one wants to see you. Go, go, said Sandow. That's my Damien Sandow, by the way. No one wants to see you. Go, go. Sheamus offered a handshake. Sandow slapped it away and said he wouldn't shake his filthy hand. After a second attempt and a second slap away, Sheamus punched Sandow, knocking him down. Then they hyped the Chris Jericho CM Punk contract signing. This time they had a graphic up showing Paul Heyman would be representing CM Punk. Then a video preview aired of the Total Divas reality show on E! Network. Then uh, after the break, we learned that the WWE app has been downloaded 6 million times. That is uh, a lot more than the PW Torch app, but... Not, not a lot, 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 lot more. Backstage. I don't even know what that means. Backstage, Triple H was leaving the arena while complaining to Steph about Vince getting in his face, accusing him of putting his ego first. Hunter said he's leaving for her sake, and so he doesn't have to beat their kid's grandfather's ass on live TV. He said that next week he is going to be in, the, in that ring wrestling Curtis Axel, and then he got in a limo and left as Steph threw her head back in frustration. They went to the announcers reacting to Hunter leaving, Lawler said, one thing is for sure, Triple H is hot. I think he meant to say Stephanie is hot. I'm just saying. Cole said that Vince and Steph and the doctors do not feel that, uh, that he is ready after what happened to him two weeks ago. And then they went to a clip of Ryback powerbombing Kofi through a table on SmackDown on Friday over and over. Cole said it was meant to send a message to Cena. 
Cole said that Kingston had a pre-existing elbow problem, with, which was further exasperated when he was smashed through the tables. So he underwent surgery and is expected to be out a couple of months. Backstage, Brian was still fuming mad. He kicked over a cart that had a bunch of pieces uh, of wood uh, on it for some reason. I mean, because, you know, there's always a cart with pieces of wood hanging out backstage at wrestling shows. Uh, Ryback walked up and called him a little puke. He told him, you better watch what he's doing. Ryback said because of him, Kofi had surgery. And he said, last year he had the flu, and my throw-up is bigger than you. He actually said that. Brian said he's not going to run away because he's bigger and stronger than him. Ryback said he's lost his mind. He told him to prove it by getting in the ring with him. Brian told him, underestimate me and see what happens. Ryback said he's a weak link, and after tonight, he'll be the missing link. Um... Then uh, Vince walked up to Paul Heyman backstage, and Axel was with him. Heyman acted very happy to, uh, to see him. Vince told Axel he has tremendous potential. He ignored Heyman's attempt at a handshake, but he did shake hands with Axel. Uh, Vince said Hunter will not wrestle Axel next week either. Uh, Heyman said that he'd see him Friday on SmackDown, and then he tried to, tried to leave. Vince said he had a new opponent for Axel, and he said it would be John Cena, but it'll be a no-DQ match. Heyman did not like that. Vince asked if he wanted him to say it in Yiddish, and Heyman said no, and Vince wished Axel luck. They showed off Fandango and Summer Rae heading to the ring. By the way, seeing Vince and Paul Heyman interact is always fun. I mean, it just especially the current Paul Heyman character. Uh, Cole plugged that Miz TV would feature guests Randy Orton and Team Hell No on Friday SmackDown. That is our SmackDown plug. Then uh, Fandango came out to a big crowd reaction as they sang his entrance song, a clip aired of the Fandango Miz Wade Barrett stuff from last week. Then uh, the great Kali took on Fandango. Kali imitated Fandango, which the crowd laughed at. Uh, a Chippendale-like Kali, said Michael Cole. Lawler said that Kali's chin is so big he gets fan mail from Jay Leno. Fandango bailed out of the ring after a clothesline. Miz stepped out of the stage to stop Fandango from leaving. Barrett then surprised Miz with a bull hammer, uh, taking him out. Miz went down hard. Barrett then held up his IC title. Cole said that Miz was scheduled to face Barrett later. Uh, so no decision was announced after about three minutes. Then Wade Barrett took on the Miz in a non-title match. Miz went after Barrett with, an aggress- with aggressive offense at the start. Barrett kicked Miz seconds later to stop him. Fandango came out at two minutes and his, mu- uh, and his music played. Barrett yelled at them from the ring as they danced. Miz then took Barrett down and applied the figure four from the ground, leading to a tap-out win. Fandango looked on from the, stri- from the stage, barely showing a facial reaction. So Miz, the winner in uh, about three and a half minutes. Then more hype from Lawler regarding the contract signing, and then a commercial aired for 12 rounds, and then they showed the outside of the Hartford Arena. I was in Hartford once, and the last time I was in Hartford was uh, when fans were walking to an NHL game wearing Whalers jerseys. That's how truly long ago it was. A clip aired to Steph and Vince, uh, uh, a segment uh, from earlier, and uh, also Hunter's response. Then Jerry Lawler stood in the ring for the contract signing. Uh, Jericho made his full ring entrance, including his light-up jacket. Cole said Jericho suckered Heyman into agreeing to matching him against Punk at payback. Heyman marched to the ring without any music. Heyman took the mic and said they could have just done this in private, but Jericho needed his ego massaged. Jericho interrupted and made fun of Punk's tattoos. Heyman was not at all amused. Jericho called Heyman Mr. Walrus. The crowd chanted, Y2J. Jericho said Heyman better deliver Punk at payback. Heyman signed the contract and then pushed it to Jericho. Heyman warned Jericho that if he signs it, he'll have to face a crowd in Chicago that won't be Jericho-holics. It'll be a bunch of Punk fans in Chicago. Heyman took issue with Jericho calling himself the best in the world at what he does. 
Jericho then soaked up what Heyman said, feigned having second thoughts, and suggested that maybe they should save the match for SummerSlam in Los Angeles rather than in Chicago. Heyman said, no way. Jericho said, okay, well, how about in New York City at Madison Square Garden? And Heyman said, tempting, but no. Jericho then suggested, how about right here in Hartford? And the crowd, of course, went berserk with cheers. Heyman said, no, no, it has to be in Chicago. Jericho then signed the contract and walked over to Heyman. And Heyman said, I'm just an advocate, because he felt he was being threatened. Jericho insisted that he open his jacket, and uh, Heyman refused. But then Jericho kind of intimidated him into doing it. And uh, then he rolled up the contract, and Jericho shoved it down his pants. And he said, see you in Chicago. Uh, Jericho and Heyman are right playing off of each other. These two dragged this out, but it was worth every minute. Heyman is off the charts, totally in tune as a sleazy, obnoxious lawyer. It's, it, it, this was a really fun segment. And a, a, one of many reasons this was a good show. Then uh, Wednesday's WWE main event will feature Sheamus versus Antonio Cesaro. That is, unless someone changes it, which has been happening lately. Uh, the Bella Twins and AJ Lee then took on Caitlin and Cameron and Naomi. AJ abandoned the uh, Bellas near the end of the match, and Caitlin then scored a pin on a Bella. AJ stared down Caitlin afterwards from ringside. That went about four and a half minutes, actually. Then they uh, hyped Ryback against Daniel Bryan. That was going to be how Daniel Bryan proved that he was not the weak link. They showed Bryan getting himself psyched up to face Ryback, but he turned and saw Kane standing there. Kane told Bryan to be careful, considering what Ryback did to Kingston. Kane then praised Bryan's desire and heart and will to compete. He told him he has nothing to prove. Brian disagreed and told him he has nothing to prove. Brian dis- uh, I'm sorry, Brian disagreed and told Kane, stay away from me. Call- and uh, Kane said, call me when you find your mind because you've obviously lost it. Lawler asked if they ever thought Kane would be the voice of reason. The announcer then talked about the Wyatt family, and then another vignette aired featuring Bray Wyatt. And at the end, he said, we're coming. This was a great follow-up to last week's video teaser. It is WWE at its best in terms of introducing a new act. This is a lot of fun, um, these vignettes. Then Brian's reentrance took place, and they went to a break. And then a clip aired of the six-man tag match earlier with Brian and the Shield. Ryback arrived in an ambulance with the siren blaring. The announcers talked about Ryback versus Cena at payback with the three stages of hell stips. Then it was time for Ryback versus Daniel Bryan. Um, Wyatt family, by the way, they said was trending on Twitter. Back and forth early with Brian on offense, then Ryback, and then Brian with a half-Boston Crab at the three-minute mark. Ryback yelled in pain when he was in that half-Boston Crab, really putting over Brian, uh, being able to put him in a bad spot. Brian then pounded Ryback with a barrage of elbows to the face. Lawler said Ryback had that look that said, what did I get myself into here? The crowd was totally eating this up. And it was actually, Brian was totally credible. I mean, this was really a credit to Brian and Ryback. Brian got the crowd to believe that his offense was was really doing damage. And and like I said, the crowd just ate it up. Ryback chased down Brian and clotheslined him over the top rope to the floor. Cole said, just like that, Ryback has taken over. He wondered if Brian would be able to climb back into the match as they cut to a break. Back live, Ryback was still on offense. The pace slowed as Ryback continued to have his longest singles match on Raw to date. After Ryback shoved Brian by his beard into the corner, Brian didn't like that and made a comeback by sidestepping Ryback and shoving him shoulder first into the corner. Brian then drop kicked Ryback from behind and then drop kicked him two more times, including a high flying basement drop kick. He went really high and then drop kicked, drop kicked him low. That led to a two count. The crowd popped big for that cover. Brian then leaped off the top rope and nailed a missile drop kick. Then he climbed to the top again and leaped 80% of the way across the ring with a diving headbutt to Ryback's chest and scored a believable near fall. The crowd, again, went crazy for all of this. Brian is a breakout star right now. 
I don't know if WWE knows how to channel this to maximum effect at this point. I don't know where Brian fits in, but Brian, you know, in terms of in the very top tier, um, Brian's over right now, and I, I, this just doesn't happen very often. I mean, if you're not watching Raw right now, you're missing, I think, the best crowd reactions we've seen for a wrestler in years. Um, it's, it's that good. Brian hit, ended up hitting a series of roundhouse kicks to Ryback's chest. The crowd chanted, yeah, you know, chanted along with each of them. Ryback then countered with a power bomb, and then he applied the, um, and then uh, Brian applied or came back and applied the no lock. But uh, Ryback ended up reaching the ropes and rolled to the floor, uh, and he actually kind of landed with a thud. He just kind of let himself drop. Brian then dove at Ryback, but Ryback sidestepped him and kind of threw him into the front of the announce table. Ryback shoved Brian back first into the ring post, and then he brought a table into the ring and powerbombed Brian through it. So the ref DQ'd Ryback for that. This was not a night of clean finishes, by the way. Uh, I mean, there were some, but not not a ton. Um, This is not a dig at Ryback, even if it sounds like one. But uh, could anyone else in wrestling today have had a match that good against Ryback? Um, Not Punk, not Jericho, not Orton, not Kurt Angle. I mean, I don't know who could. Brian is the perfect opponent for Ryback, and the crowd ate up every minute of it. Ryback is coming along and clearly has become a functional top-level heel in the ways that really matter. And uh, Vince McMahon has to be very happy with that. Ryback got another table after the match and set it up at ringside and leaned it against the ring barrier. But John Cena ran out as his music played, and he stood over Brian to protect him with the WWE title belt in hand. Then uh, uh, he snorted and uh, teased entering the ring. Um, or he actually kind of twitched and jumped out of the ring apron and then teased getting in the ring. The fans chanted Cena, Cena with enthusiasm. Um, then they faced off. Um, but as they faced off with the ropes between them, Heyman and Curtis Axel interrupted. And as Axel's music played, the standoff ended and Ryback left. Cena then checked on Brian. They went to a break and they came back and uh, Axel got the early advantage when Heyman tripped Cena coming off the ropes. Lawler wondered why McMahon added the no DQ stip because that just gives Heyman an advantage. At the two-minute mark, Axel called for Heyman to get him a chair. When Axel swung the chair, Cena blocked it and bashed Axel across his back. Cena threw Axel over the announce table, and then uh, the announcers fled the scene. Cena removed the monitors, but the ref began to count them out, so Cena just threw Axel back into the ring. Axel bashed Cena with a chair in the gut to take control. At ringside, Cena ducked a swing of the chair and re-entered the ring. Axel brought the chair into the ring. Cena looked concerned. Heyman literally licked his lips as uh, Axel set up a chair shot. Cena, though, ducked a chair swing and drop kicked the chair into Axel's face, which was good for a two-count. Axel countered Cena after Cena wedged a chair into the corner. Axel went on sustained, methodical offense at this point, filling out some more TV time. Cole said that Heyman has a way about him where he influences people and they believe what he says. Well, I kind of believe the first part, but I'm not so sure about the second part. Well, oh, oh, they're talking about the character. Okay. Cena began to come back with punches and a shoulder tackle. He went into the whole you-can't-see-me routine. After a fist drop, he went for the attitude adjustment, but Axel held onto the top rope and then sidestepped Cena, who flew into that chair that was still wedged in the corner earlier. The ref nearly counted Cena out. Cole said that Axel might achieve another count-out win here. Cena got back to the ring, but Axel attacked him aggressively, and then he retrieved the chair from ringside. As they moved into the overrun, Cole reset the show. Axel swung a chair and hit Cena in the back and got a two-count. Axel hit Cena across the back again and scored another two-count. Heyman laughed with every chair shot, by the way. Uh, Axel jabbed Cena in the gut with a chair. Axel then swept Cena onto the chair with a modified neckbreaker move and scored another two-count. Cena blocked a perfect plex and applied the STF. Heyman implored Axel not to tap and instead crawl to the bottom rope. Heyman brought a laptop over to Axel, and he bashed, and then Axel bashed Cena with it twice to break the hold. 
Cena stumbled to the floor, rattled, trying to regain his senses. At ringside, Cena surprised Axel with an AA attempt, but Heyman walked up and begged him not to. The table was still set up at ringside where Ryback left it, leaning it against the ringside barrier. Heyman was so annoying uh, that Cena dropped Axel and grabbed Heyman. Axel then ran up to Cena and attacked him, but Cena countered and shoved Axel into the ring apron. Ryback then showed up out of nowhere and drove Cena through the table. Ryback held his arm in the air as the ref counted Cena out. So Curtis Axel, your winner by countout once again. 13-minute match, good match. I thought Curtis Axel showed uh, he could work the WWE main event style here. Um, Cena is no Daniel Bryan, but he had a good match. Um, so uh, afterwards, Ryback sarcastically told Cena to get up, and then he shouted, Ryback rules, and the show ended. And it was a good show, um, in a lot of ways a good show. Um, the, the main event was good. The uh, semi-main event was really good. That six-man tag match was even better. Um, the uh, Del Rio uh, Big E match was solid for what it needed to be. The other matches were all short. The signing with Heyman and Jericho was really good. The uh, interaction with Heyman and Vince was good. The uh, Stephanie Hunter and Vince thing was newsworthy and, and a lot of fun. So, yeah, just a good show. Um, a, uh, yeah, a, a, a good show. All right, well, that'll do it for me for today. I'll talk a lot more about this tomorrow with Jason Paul on the PW Torch Livecast and VIP After Show. If you have something you want us to talk about regarding this show on the VIP After Show, send an email now to pwtorchlivecast at gmail.com, pwtorchlivecast at gmail.com, and uh, Jason Paul and I might get to that on the After Show tomorrow. Uh, All right, until next time, Wade Keller thanking you once again for your support and signing off. You can support PWTorch.com when you shop Amazon. Just go to PWTorch.com slash Amazon. When you're about to shop at Amazon, click the Amazon logo. You're right at Amazon where you're headed anyway, but we get a commission on any purchases you make on that trip. We've had this relationship with Amazon for years now, and we really appreciate those of you who are participating, and we invite all of you to join them. That's PWTorch.com slash Amazon when you're about to shop at Amazon. 